If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Andrew, Sunzi, Stephanie, Natasha, Laura, Garotica, Vance, Boezy, Jeremy, Ali, Nathan, Jennifer with a PH, Mr. Ragebomb, Libby, Wes, Dreskel, Aaron, Kristen, Tia, Lauren, Jonathan, Kate, Alex, Isaac, and Karun. And because it's that special time of the month, we get to shout out our You Can Get It level sponsors, and they are Kevin, Sydney, The Greensy, Alyssa, Sarah, Vixen, Dharma, Grace, Stephanie, Amanda the Playwright, Leo, Alexandra, Brooklyn, Tori, Eli, Bryce, Sean, Logan, Dominic, Jamie, Alex, Shayna, Ali, Dr. Voorhees, MD, Jennifer, Megan, Amelia, Maxwell, Liza, Courtney, Martha, Jamie, AJ, Spider, Gwen, Lisa, Rock, Donkey, Irene, Naomi, Bex, Mallory, Laura, Cameron, Kaylee, Casey, Daisy, Jackie, Elisa, Mushroom Snail Fox, Jennifer, and Michelle. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of this awesome horror version community. And if you want to hang out with us, please do so in the Facebook group where we hang out daily. The menu, or as I call it, this is the Angus of horror version. If by Angus you mean <laughs> Angus beef, yes. Yeah, Ang- <laughs> Angus steaks, yes. <laughs> We had a fun time at our live show in Kansas City. Two fans came up to me before we started and said, not only did you give Todd COVID, you gave us two COVID last year at the live show. (laughs) Three seconds before I walked to the table and I was like, I'm going to be off for this. (laughs) Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. Oh my God. And I'm your Horror Virgin, Todd, which means I don't like scary movies and you guys make me watch them. But this week, the listeners decided we weren't going to watch a scary movie. So we watched The The Menu. Did you enjoy your reprieve? And also, don't worry. We made Todd watch plenty of scary movies that yeah. we are not doing episodes on. Fuck, and they made me watch Rise of Evil or Evil Dead Rise at yeah. Panic Fest. Rise of the Evil Dead. It was so scary. Like, I probably didn't watch half of the movie because my, my head was in my hands during that movie. Paige was sitting next to me and she was like, your heart monitor keeps going off. because, <laughs> Like, you know, your watch will alert you if you get over 120 beats per minute and you're like sitting down. My, my watch was like, 
hey, you might be dying. Yeah, you were dying. I was hiding from the lady in front of me that I accidentally hit with a pizza box. (laughs) That shit was so funny. Hey, that's the hardest I've laughed in weeks. It was church giggles where you're like not supposed to be laughing because people are dying on screen. I covered myself with my hoodie because I had a problem. I saw it happen. So what happened was Paige opened her pizza and the top of the box. Okay, hold on. Todd had opened his pizza box fully and there was enough room for his chair and the person in front. Yes. Yes. So that's why I did it. But what I couldn't see in the dark is that the girl in front of me had leaned back in her chair because it's a nice theater. So the chairs leaned back. But Paige, also, there was no one in the seat in front of me. That's the reason that there seat was, was someone in the seat in front of you. Oh, they must have been a tiny, tiny baby child. They were short. Yeah, they were short. Okay. There was somebody in the seat in front of you. I'm glad we're not on trial. They would have us, all three of us on stand. I'd be like, what is this, Seinfeld? What are we doing? <laughs> of course, we're not on wait, trial. But can you imagine be like, yeah, Paige hit that pizza box, that large dude with a ponytail. You'd be like, it was a small woman shorter than Paige. And then Paige would be like, no one was sitting in front of Todd. And they'd be like, are you three on drugs? No, here's how I know that that the woman in front of me was roughly my same height. Her head was level with the top of the movie theater chair. Mm, Yes. As is mine. This is something I deal with as well. So her chair was leaned back. And when the box opened, it hit the back of the chair. And because her head was level with it, also her head. And then she was like, what? And turned and Mikey just giggled at me. Mikey was violently shaking and that's what made me laugh because I I saw it happen. He couldn't handle it. Oh man, it was so funny though. It was great. It was good. We had so many good moments. We got a lot of... questions on our AMA about us hating each other. We actually had the best time together this weekend. We watched a ton of movies. <laughs> we spent a lot of time together. We like partied and danced. Two and nights was... back to back, we were out until like 3 a.m. Uh, yes. I will say that we like hung out the whole time and like we had a lot of running jokes throughout the weekend and maybe it's hard to get the context of that when we record like a two hour piece in the middle of that. Yeah. But yeah. like literally we were sitting around watching TV the night before we left and we we're like, this is the most fun I've ever had with y'all. <laughs> I know. I know. And then we got some confusing AMA questions. But yeah, like we went out and did karaoke till like 3 a.m. It was great. We shut that shit down. Was, I'm still tired. I am also still tired because the night after that, I didn't sleep. I stayed up and packed and then went to the airport. Yeah, you left and earlier then landed and then I had to work all day. <laughs> Yeah. Some handsome gentleman woke up at 3.30 to drive you after sleeping an hour. <laughs> hey, you. I had driven Mondo the night before. That is true. Yes, you did. And yeah. you drove us to the airport at 9 or what? I mean, like, we all did our part. That's true. You wouldn't have been able to take us to the airport when we needed to go for our flight if you would have drove Paige and not slept. That's true. That's true. Do you guys perhaps, perchance even, maybe want to talk about the menu? Okay, can I start it up? Can I, before you do, oh, yeah. say my theory of why I think you don't like this movie? Unless you're changing your tune. I liked it better the second time I watched it. Okay. I did not like this movie a lot the first time. Mm. And I think it still kind of rubs me the wrong. Okay, everybody loves this movie. So I'm going to I'm gonna be like the, oh, he's the Crunchyrian on the podcast. I didn't say that right, but you guys know. You're not going to be the Crunchyrian on the podcast. Did you say Crunchyrian? He did. Crunch- <laughs> I'm the Crunchyrian. Where the captain and I, we eat the cereal and talk about the film. Helmsman, set pace at 30 knots. <laughs> what say you, Crunchyrian? <laughs> yes. 
bring us all the breakfast cereals. Oh, I give it a two out of five crunch berries. <laughs> I'm sorry. Paige's sound effect immediately took me out of my World War II era battleship and into a Viking like no, no, canoe. No. Oh, was, I was going for Centurion Crunchurian. Oh, I gotcha. I'm going to throw out, I'm going for Master and Commander where Russell Crowe is played by the captain from Captain Crunch. I do love that all of us had a distinct vision of, of what our captain and Crunchurian looked like and they were all very different. I also love that I read an article last week about why men of a certain generation love Master and Commander and it's not that great of a movie. I saw it and it's not that great of a movie, but that's also how I felt oddly about this movie. Mm. This is also the second time I watched it and I did enjoy it more this time because I, this movie's actually sort of weird. So maybe saying I don't like this movie isn't correct. I like the themes and the point this movie is trying to make but I really hate the way they're trying to make it. I love Ralph Fiennes. First of all, it's Ray Fiennes, and I knew I would have to correct you, so I looked at the pronunciation <laughs> earlier. <laughs> I love Mr. Fiennes. Yeah, dude is Rafe Fiennes, I, I, Voldemort. I, 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 down. <laughs> I like dark humor. When I watched it the first time, it was blowing up. Everybody's like, you've got to see the menu. It's the best film of the year. Blah, blah, blah. And like, I hated the depiction of suicide so much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The first one specifically jarred me. I mean, it's it's there to achieve that purpose, Mikey. Yes, yeah. And I don't like any, I don't like, especially with work, you, the glorification of suicide in any way can be very dangerous. And, and even in a satirical thing, it could be like, I would like this more if they were more of a cult, which they do come off on of more are. on second viewing. That's yeah. how I view them, yeah. viewed them in this viewing is they are the cult, which fueled my theory for why you didn't like the movie. But then I was like, if they're a cult, I wanted them to go like really into why they were a cult. Like what, like what really, like I needed it more clear. Yeah. So Mikey, you're sort of getting at why I don't like the movie very much. And that's because there's no causality. Like it is like the writer or writers, because there are two writers of this trying to make a point. So everything in the story is just to serve the purpose of those writers making their point. And no one acts really the way anyone would in the situations they're in. Like at the end of the movie, when they put fucking marshmallows on them and little chocolate hats and they're just like, yeah, this is fine. Like the meme of the dog holding the coffee in the burning room. Like that's so <laughs> dumb. But like, I love the metaphor of, you know, consumerism killing art and then art sort of killing it back. I yep. love that, but I hate the way they wrote it. I just felt there was too many innocent people dying. Oh, yeah, because a ton that. of innocent people die, Mikey, yes. Anna Taylor-Joy getting away. It's Anya Taylor-Joy, but we were call her Onion Taylor-Joy. Onion Taylor-Joy. <laughs> because that's my favorite <laughs> Trixie Mattel <laughs> tweet, and she's in a food movie. I feel like we have she's to call her Onion. Uh, I am the worst today. Jake walked by as I was watching this and was like, oh, is Onion Taylor-Joy going ham on people? I was like, no, but she's going to eat this cheeseburger or escape. He made two food references in one joke, and that's why I love Jake. That's great. He's bringing his A-game all the time. But like, her escaping was good. I hated that John Leguizamo's assistant, assistant didn't escape. I think it's important that she didn't escape. Yeah. She was allowed to leave. She was allowed to leave. And I hated that. Yeah, that's true. And then the, the kitchen staff. I would have liked it if he like made the kitchen staff do everything and was like, now you all go. Now you're all free. Oh, well, uh, I, I, I sort I... of, Paige, and I think you may say this, and sorry to cut you yeah, off. Yeah, probably. I feel like the kitchen staff, is the cult, right? So I sort of, yes. we've seen plenty, and Paige, I know you deal with this on the daily, so I'm sorry to bring it up. We see plenty of death cults where like a lot of people yep. kill themselves with their cult leader. Like that's 
unfortunately super common amongst cults. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I loved it <laughs> because yeah. it includes a lot of my favorite shit. First of all, food, boo- <laughs> bougie food. Shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> fucking love it. Uh, secondly, making fun of bougie food people because they are fucking the worst. Thirdly, the themes of consumerism destroying art. Yeah. Super into that. Yeah. Fourthly, cults. But what I really kind of started to view this movie as and why I I thought that potentially maybe might have been the driving reason why Mikey didn't like it, apart from the depictions of suicide, which I assumed yeah. factored into that. Yeah. I don't think you're supposed to like that. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. Well, I think this is a movie much like Midsummer where you have a complicated morality to it. And I can dig it most of the time when there's a complicated morality. But Mikey doesn't seem to like that as much. Because just like in Midsummer, the chef, Slowick, and the cult are evil. Like, they are doing bad things to people. Now, the trick is sometimes you're like, they're right, though. But that doesn't make it okay for them to do what they're doing. And it doesn't make them, air quotes, the good guys. That's the thing. So, like, you kind of have to look at it as we're all kind of shitty, right? I do think for me, the cult aspect made a lot more sense, especially through the lens of art and perfection. And that was what they worshipped. And there is no perfection. And therefore, you end up with nihilism because you cannot be perfect. So I got that. And I was super into it. And I kind of view this movie as like, it is an exercise in satire. If you think about it with real life implications, it's horrifying and terrible. And also they served way too many foams. But if you think of it just in the case of satire and specifically satire of the food world, it is chef's kiss. And I fucking loved it. I wrote in my notes. This is how I vision people talking about Midsummer. That's the how yeah, I was like, this is the like, internet talking about Midsummer. I was watching this and I was like, Mikey's going to hate this for the same reasons he doesn't like Midsummer. But for the same reasons that I do like Midsummer, but I was like all like like Nicholas Holt. I was like, oh, this is how I this is how people talk to me about Midsummer, and I just nod. I was like, happy to mm-hmm. see Nicholas Holt on the screen again for the second time in as many days, basically, because we saw Renfield. I know. I just hate that he's such a bad dude. I know. Oh, he's terrible. He's the worst, and I know so many people like him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so there, there's some of that for me that's like. After working in the bougie food world for a while, there is some of this for me that is very cathartic where I'm just like, yeah, you fucking asshole. Like there (laughs) is some of that for me, (laughs) but that's the same with Midsummer, where like they're killing Christian. I was like, yeah, you fucking asshole. Like, you know, there is a catharsis that is not an indicator of a good morality in a film or that people are doing good things. That is a personal emotional reaction. (laughs) But Yes, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Yeah. I wanted to eat a lot of the things. I need to go to In-N-Out after we're done recording. <laughs> I did like it better the second time. Yeah, I think I liked it better the second time because I, I really picked up more of the metaphor the second time. I mean, I, the sense. metaphor is like super in your fucking face in this movie, so you get Very. it whether you want it or not. But like, I sort of love the metaphor of the movie. Like, I really dig oh, yeah. it. Dig it. When he's going after the critic, I was just like, Yes! And then the people where he's like, you've been to my restaurant 11 times. What did you eat? And they were like, uh, and I was like, that's fucking right. (laughs) So I just don't do that. Like, I just don't give a shit, I guess. Like, if you came to my restaurant 11 times, they'd be like, dope, see it on your 12th time. Like, I don't know why that makes them a bad person worthy of being killed. If they wrote a negative review about your restaurant, 
it would affect you. Did they write a negative review? Is that why it was decided that they were going to die? No, no. They they are absolutely the people who consume his art but do not care about it or understand it. And that's why he hates them. He Again, he's not a good guy. Like, these are not good choices. Like, you can't stand here and be like, oh, that's fucked up that he did that. Yeah, he's the villain. Like, he killed everybody. But I do understand that feeling of, like, sometimes someone will attend a bunch of shows or like follow me online for something and then comment things that I'm just like, you don't get me at all. Like, I don't understand how there's such a disconnect and it'll make you question the things that you do because you're like, how was I so misconstrued? And that's how I kind of viewed them of him being like, I am trying to create memorable food experiences and you, it, it is completely lost on you. And yet you're taking the spot. There's only 12 spots every time. You're here so many times. But that's how I viewed it. Yeah, I mean, but like, awesome. Thank you for consuming my art in any way and helping me provide for myself. Like, I don't understand why they deserve to die, especially the wife in that couple. The guy was a bad dude. Yes, okay. He didn't deserve to die. But like, Growing Pain's mom should not have been murdered because her husband cheated on her. Todd, he's a bad guy. This is the exact <laughs> conversations we had at Midsummer. He's oh evil. my God. Take Rafe Vines she- out of it, Paige. Rafe. Yeah. Take Voldemort out of it. <laughs> if you take Voldemort out of it altogether, the metaphor is still saying they deserve to die because. Because they consumed art thoughtlessly. Oh my God, how bad is it to consume art and help someone provide for themselves, even if you don't fully get it? I don't give a shit. I know people hate listening to this podcast, and I'm like, thank you for the download numbers, man. Like, I don't understand why they deserve to die for that. I know again, Todd. This no is exactly one what she's talking die. about. We have the same exact problem we had with Midsummer, and yeah. she likes it for the. We're gonna have the same podcast, yeah. but with food instead of maypoles. None of these people deserve to die. <laughs> that man is a villain. Well, I mean, Nicholas Holt, I think, got there pretty quick for me. He's he, annoying he as shit. Tricked her into dying, and he tricked her into dying because he knew he killed yeah. her. He tried yeah, to he kill ki- her. Yeah, the only reason he didn't kill her is because. She gets let go at the end. Yeah. Yes. Well, and, and there's a part of me that wonders if he let her go because of how she was brought there or because she asked for the thing that he used to make when he was the happiest, the burgers. Oh, my God. Paige, we get it. Like, it's just not very clever. Like, I, <laughs> I, I just hated that so much, so much that when she wiped her mouth at the end of this movie, I literally went, oh, we get it. And then the director's name came up and I said, we get it, Mark. God damn Mark loves burgers bitch Fuck it's just so pretentious It's so it's hard to watch sometimes My first thought was Man I think it's hilarious that they modeled this Exactly like a Carl's Jr. commercial Because that's That's definitely What they were going for Uh, and I fucking Loved that I love me some Hardee's bro Yeah that's what we call them on this side of the country Uh, Yeah Paige you have exactly unearthed Exactly what me and Todd's opinions would be Because you're right Todd It annoys me that people I don't think deserve to die Die when in other movies if I think they deserve to die Nicholas Holt I don't care as much even the bankers I was like ah fuck them I'll tell you the first (laughs) moment I went oh no, this might be a bad movie for me, was when Nicholas Holt describes why he likes food to Onion Taylor Joy. Uh And she, in response to, and just picture the writer typing this on their fucking keyboard. He like writes it out and then Onion Taylor Joy goes, that may be the best way anyone's ever said that. 
And I'm like, oh, fuck you, writer. Like, why would you have someone compliment you through what you just wrote coming out of Nicholas Holt's mouth? I was like, oh, okay. I, I guess I'm going to listen to this writer jerk off for 45 more minutes. I, I didn't read that deep in it. She, at that point, she is still a, she's Ugh. still a traditional escort. He could yes. be like, I think clowns are fucking sexy because of this, this, and this. And she'd be like, that's the best way that anyone has ever put that. He does it later, though, when he quotes Dr. King and then he has John Leguizamo go, did he just quote Dr. Martin Luther King? Yeah, we get it, writers. Jesus. like. But I saw that as them not being like, he's brilliant, as him them being like, he's deranged. <laughs> like, yeah. he, Why would you ever think that Martin Luther was, King Jr. would sign off on this? I think Rafe Frowns. Rafe, nope, Rafe Frowns. That is his name? Rafe, Rafe Frowns. We have Rafe settled on nicknames. Frowns? I paid attention to his performance. Jesus Christ. This is a pie. Okay. I paid attention to his performance more. <laughs> This time, and he has a lot of subtle stuff going on with his performance where I think he is a master actor. He is. And I think this movie works so well because of him. If you yes. had a lesser man in that role, people would have hated this movie. I would agree with you. I, I think he really does carry it, to be honest. Although I do think also Nicholas Holt, for as annoying as his character is, he does a fucking great job. I mean, I hate his character, but he crushes that to. role. I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, Onion Taylor Joy does a great, everyone does a great job in this movie. It's just the script yeah. is, in my opinion, written in a way that is like very pretentious and hard to sit it's through. It's supposed to be. I know. The whole thing is pretentious. I know, but like that doesn't make me like it. Like just because it's like, oh no, it's supposed to be pretentious and boring. Like, Okay, I don't have to like that, though. I saw it as a deliberate choice to reflect the crowd they were trying to make fun of. Well, it, and again, this is just my opinion, so please don't be like, I didn't think it was boring or pretentious. That's fine. This is my opinion. I didn't. <laughs> no, yeah. no, I'm talking to the listeners page. I get DMs yeah. from people who like, especially when I don't like a movie, it's a bad week for me. I think it's a bad week for you. <laughs> if we don't like, if any one of us don't like a movie, I get emails. I know, that's true. Y'all, okay, everyone out there, Every time I make some kind of weird ass opinion, y'all email Paige about it, like direct it to my DMs and I will argue with you directly. I feel like you probably don't want this to happen to you. <laughs> I'm talking to you, Chicago and Australia specifically. You are calling out cities, my man. Cities, whole cities. People. Scottish people, you're cool. You guys like liked all my jokes about y'all, and I appreciate that. Yeah, we got that. no beef with Scotland. What's I've been up, there, it's Scotland? great. Did I tell you guys I went to Scotland? Oh, Show me you're showered and you're kilted. <laughs> <laughs> Outlander's back in a couple months, you guys. It's almost Can't time. wait. I'm going to catch up. You can't catch up because do you know what it's on? Stars, baby. Fucking stars. <laughs> we should tell everybody at the live show we had a contest. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We played some games, and whoever won between the three of us, Todd would get a veto on any movie he wanted. I would get to pick any movie without argument, and then Paige would get us to buy stars subscriptions well and, and here's the problem here's one of the things we did not think through on that second round of the game because there was no microphone in the audience in order for people to hear what they said i had to repeat it which meant that i couldn't answer it's true we did not do well on the second game but it caused me to win so i'm not going to complain <laughs> so you will soon some point this summer maybe for my birthday oh i That's love fine. that idea Let's do that. when is your birthday mikey may 7th is my birthday okay and I won't pick something too, too terrible unless we'll talk about it in the Facebook. I'm going to do a post and we'll, we'll we'll have a discussion. OK, so anyway, it was a fun thing. You guys missed it. Don't miss a live show. We'll do some stuff like that, maybe. 
Well, okay. A lot of people tried to go and could not get tickets. Yeah, because so, they like, sold out like two So maybe don't advance. feel like, oh, don't miss it. Like, they they physically could not go. Okay, well, I apologize, everyone. If you have a problem with that, email me, not Paige. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get into the movie so we can go through it scene by scene. Uh, I think you mean course by course. Uh, course yes, let's go by course, course by course. One by one till you shout. Enough, enough I'm, I'm done. done. And we'll sing you off to sleep while you digest. Anyway, we open on Onion Onion Taylor Joy. Heck yeah, smoking, we do. And Nicholas Holt orbs up and is like, don't smoke, it'll kill your palate. Like, tonight is huge, you have to taste everything. And he's immediately a pretentious asshole. Like, yeah. immediately. When we find out later that his girlfriend broke up with him, I was like, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. Well, and immediately from the jump i could not figure out why they were together so once we find out what's going on it made a lot more sense to me i think i knew almost immediately i thought she was like a tinder date that he had like talked into but then once we find out you're like oh and it makes this scene make more sense where he's like it's 1250 dollars ahead and i'm paying for you so shut the fuck up basically which he says in decreasing levels of niceness many times throughout the evening well, and I also couldn't figure out why he was so calm when everyone else was freaking out. And then once the twist is revealed, you're just like, ah, he's uh, yes. the worst. He is yeah. the absolute worst. Although it doesn't make sense as to why he would do that really or how that came about, how he met the chef to begin with. Like, again, this is one of those things that doesn't make sense that they don't explain. He's just an unwell person. Well, we should wait till we get to it. Because if we talk about it now, we'll talk about it forever. Table it, table it. We'll table talk it. about it. Because it it made a lot of sense to me, but I think in part because I, I know people like that who would do crazy shit like that. It, and this is just the most extreme version of it because it's a satire. Anyway, right. so uh, they get onto a ferry that's going to ferry them over to a second boat that's going to take them to this island. On the ferry, we find that there's like three bankers. There's this old couple that seems to maybe recognize Onion Taylor Joy. Oh, they recognize that onion. Yeah, they recognize that onion. There's John Leguizamo and his assistant, and he's playing kind of like a, a down and out actor. Like he had done movies in the past and his career was kind of waning. I know you have this almost came out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This has been so public. Mikey was about to touch on it. Like he said, he was pretending to be Jean Claude Van Damme in this movie. Hilarious. So like he is that someone who was once famous inexplicably. And then is no longer famous, but still sort of out here committing crimes. I've seen the entire JCVD back catalog and it is explicable, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, no, it's not Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's Steven Seagal, isn't it? That's what it is. That was my bad. Sorry. It's Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal is inexplicable. It's because he lied about knowing the CIA. It's like a whole thing. Oh, and being in the mob. There's a, yeah, he's a terrible person. Yeah. There is also a food critic and her assistant. Um, but it's basically just the 12 people that would be there tonight. I think the food critic actually brought her publisher with her, like the magazine publisher. Yes. Because when they go to pay the bill, he's like, nope, it's on the magazine. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. The assistant is with John Leguizamo. Well, yeah, he has his assistant, but they don't directly say who the guy is until the end when he pays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's on the magazine. Because he just yes-ands her the entire time. Oh, He's of a total yes-man. Yeah. So they, as the ferry takes off, they pass out... And a mousse bouche, which is oyster foam with lemon pearls. And this might be one of my favorite parts of Nicholas Holt's performance. Because if you've ever seen bougie food people eat things, like a mousse bouches or whatever, they have to like get the whole thing in their mouth and slosh it around for the mouthfeel. And it looks so awkward. 
and he does it perfectly where he like shovels it from the the like shell into his face and it's just like I mean, he's eating it like an oyster. I've seen a lot of people eat oysters exactly that way. Everyone looks bad eating oysters. I use a small, tiny oyster fork to get the oyster out. I love raw oysters. God, I love the, the way, way you, you say, say oysters it. drives me insane. And they use a fork too, Mikey. They both use. It's forks. a spoon because it's a well, foam. whatever. They use an. And implement. so he like shovels the foam into it. I, I don't. I, I put on a saltine cracker with like a so oyster sauce. I, oysters gross me out so much. Yeah, I'm a texture dude. I can't do. I can't do. Oysters is good. I'm glad you like it. Natalie loves them. I, I can't do it. The texture, man. Yeah. It's the texture. My grandparents owned a seafood and oyster restaurant. So I shucked oysters as like a child. Oh, okay. You say it like moisture. Yeah, he says it wrong, which is weird for someone whose grandparents owned a seafood restaurant. But like, well, that's I'll fine. Let you guess what state it was in. The state of confusion? <laughs> Similar. But where people <laughs> pronounce things differently. Japan? I don't know. Mississippi. Mississippi. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, okay. Anyway, they get to the island. Now, here's what's really interesting when they get to the island, and I couldn't figure out, like, what... And she does make fun of him for using the word mouthfeel, as you should. It's a crazy word. I understand what it means, but still. Yeah, but at this point, they're still trying to, like, make it seem like they're actually dating. Like, she puts... Her head on his chest, which yeah. I was surprised when I found out like that she was just a escort. It's the boyfriend experience, Todd. Is that a thing? Oh yeah, you you can pay extra to make for people to act like they're your significant other. It's a new tier on the Patreon for me. Yeah, <laughs> ladies, if you want the boyfriend experience, sign up at the. Is that should we create a, the, the boyfriend experience <laughs> level and then? Um, if you look up the website it. for Cowboys for Angels. You'll see the different pricing. I think we should do this level where it's like Mikey will send you a good morning text and a good night text every day. And he'll like check in around 5 to 6 p.m. and see how your day was. Like that's the level of boyfriend experience I'm comfortable with you selling on the Patreon, Mikey. Anything over that, I'm out. No, you don't want him to like order the wrong kinds of tampons and bring them home every day and just be like, oh, I tried. Oh, you're going to need extra wide. Trust me. <laughs> it's got wings. This is not the good boyfriend experience. This is the bad boyfriend experience. So I won't text you in the morning and say, I hope you have a good day. I'll text you mid afternoon and be like, did you have that meeting With today or whatever? With a dick pic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who may want a blurry Mikey dick pic. Blur so blurry. You're like, is that an arm or? And you're like, yeah, it is. Sort of. Why yes. does it have a joint? Paige, it's not an arm, but it does have an elbow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they arrive at the island and they're checking in. And this is where we find out that somebody else was supposed to go with Nicholas Holtz. And it's a kerfuffle. Yeah. Wendy Vandersnoot or whatever her name was. I can't remember. It was like his ex. Whatever. Wendy Preferkorn. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. I'm not sure it super matters just because that's not a family name I recognize. Like I wouldn't immediately be like, oh, they're super rich. You know, It's I, supposed to sound like Vanderbilt. Well, like, and it's it does supposed sound to imply super she's rich, a rich, but it's bitch. not one I'm familiar with. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. yeah. Anyway, they take them on a tour of the island. Now, the old couple asks to go directly to the restaurant and skip the tour. And we will find out that they've been there a bunch of times and that's why. Well, and also I think it's because the husband knows he knows Onion Taylor Joy. Right. And he's like, I don't want the wife to see that, you know? Right. Uh, although the wife does figure out. Of course, because the wife's not an idiot. Yeah. 
I think the tour is super cool. It's definitely reminiscent of like if you ever eat at French Laundry in Napa where they have a farm there. So they're pulling things directly fresh to serve you and you usually tour. And that's always super cool. I've done a couple things like that. Do they like I have a place where you can wash your clothes or they, do they like do your clothes for you? Uh, No, it's just the name. I don't know why they call it that. Yeah, that's a bad name. Well, I mean, they might have a story behind it. That would be cool. But I'm like, sure they do because he's one of the most famous chefs in the world. Yeah, but like there was an episode where we were talking about like famous flute players. Like that's the same level of fame in my mind. I realize there are foodies out there that like love chefs. Uh, Gordon Ramsay, a restaurant that we all went to because he is famous. Yes, we went there and got Beef Wellington. And I agree with Paige having never had Paige's Beef Wellington. Hers is probably better. I think mine is better. It was fine. I didn't dislike it, but like, I do think food as an art form is a little lost on me. I'll openly I admit that. I think so. Seriously. Yeah. I like good food, but I also like really bad food. Yeah. I, I feel like there's room for both just as much as I really love like an amazing Elton John album, but also like terrible pop music. Yeah. I feel like there is a joy to be found in the gamut of food. But I also really like when people try their absolute best to make things taste amazing. I think that it's a lot of work to do. And when people do it really well, I am very impressed by that. And things taste better when they're super fresh. And so whenever you get a chance to eat something that is like literally picked that day. Which we see on the tour. Right. With somebody who like knows what they're doing with it. It is unparalleled. And I think for me, food experiences like that are just as cool as a concert to me. That's just something that I personally really enjoy. And I've done like tasting stuff like this that's not as theatrical, but just like those small menus. I mean, I've been to murder mystery parties for sure. Yeah, like (laughs) I've been to things just like this. Every dinner is a mystery party dinner if you murder someone. If you work hard enough, yeah. (laughs) Like this is my area of nerdery. Yeah, yeah. Where I'm like, I am impressed by the stuff happening and they're doing some wild shit in that kitchen. But I think my happy place food wise is like the kind of food you would get at a potluck, but the best version of it. Like I want to take something to your potluck and outshine everybody. Like that's my favorite. You want to have the best buffalo chicken dip on the table. Yes. Yeah. One time at work, I talked everyone into having a party that was just dips. And it's the best thing we've ever done. Everyone should try it. An all dip party is fun as fuck. I would have been murdered in the first probably 30 minutes of being at this place because the second I tried to leave or complained and they didn't like fix it immediately, I would have tried to leave. I'd have been like, well, fuck you, I'm leaving. And then they would have killed me because I wouldn't have stopped trying to leave until Until they killed me. I don't know if they would have killed you at the beginning because they're like, none of you even tried to leave. What does that say about you? Now we're going to murder you. I did like that. They were like, you really didn't fight that hard. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I didn't really love when they blamed the victims. No, I didn't love that. So like that was a part of the movie. I I was like, oh, well, fuck this movie again. Here's the thing. They are definitely blaming the Again, they're the villain. Uh, They're definitely blaming the victim. Yeah, they're the villain. And you're like, I love this movie. Yeah, I do. I'm not saying what they're doing is right. I'm saying I enjoyed the movie. Yeah, but it did make me laugh when they were like, yeah, none of you even really tried to leave that hard because that's a thing with rich people is they don't want to be embarrassed. (laughs) And so that was the way I would like throw people out of my store was just embarrassing them. And like you'd be amazed how quiet they get and compliant they get if you embarrass them. And so if you imply that they like 
don't know things or are not accepting art in the right way or aren't as fancy as they think. It's a real quick way to get them to be quiet and sit down. So I was kind of, I found it kind of hilarious that they were like, yeah, you you guys didn't even, like you barely ran. <laughs> even though they are the villain, this, they are the victims. It's not okay. They shouldn't be dying. I get it. Still like the movie. Okay. I would have gone down being murdered. I think in the 45 second head start portion of the event is when I would have died. Because I'd have been like, I'm going to fight you until you kill me. Yeah, there's no way I would have walked back. I would have died. I don't think I wouldn't have survived the evening. Now, because I don't have student loans, even though I grew up very poor. So mine got forgiven for public service surveillance, but I don't think you would have given you're me time to get murdered because you don't have student loans, Mikey. And that was the one that I thought was the most unfair. I was like, she didn't do anything. And she was stealing money from him, but he was also terrible. So I was like, mm, yeah, yeah, if whatever. you work for Sean Claude Van Damme, steal money for no, him. Steven that's Seagal. like a, that's like a victimless decent. crime. Steven Seagal. Fuck, they're all the same to me. Like, that's how little I care about them. But like Steven Siegel. We need to get you to watch more Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's probably true. Uh, first off, Time Cop is what I would classify as a masterpiece. And you're not appreciating the art. He might murder you if you go to a cinema to watch Time Cop. Uh, well, then we probably should avoid that. I also have never seen Time Cop. And I'm sure he's like cheated on a bunch of wives or whatever, but he doesn't seem like, yes. I don't think he's done much more than that in a negative it's way. It's mostly that. It's mostly that and and a pretty bad cocaine addiction at one point. Well, who hasn't battled with their demons? Anyway, but like, th again, that's Jean-Claude Van Damme, not Steven Seagal. Yeah, right. Steven Seagal, he is not what I would classify as nice. No, right. he's also a predator. <laughs> yeah, he's a bad dude. Anyway, they go on the tour. They see where the scallops are going to be harvested. They walk through parts of the farm. It's gorgeous and cool. Then they go to the smokehouse because they are dry aging meats for almost six months. Uh, but they're doing it with all different kinds of meats. So they're like butchering their cows and then doing meat of multiple different cuts and productions and then still dry aging them, which would give everything a very interesting kind of a flavor and a funk. Super fascinating. Anyway, so they finally get to the restaurant after going through the herb gardens and the tomatoes. Todd lives in a smokehouse. Do I? He's a smoke show. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Oh my God. It's a hot, it, it means you're hot. I did a compliment. Good he Lord. Can, you hot. can you tell how often I get complimented that way? Like, shit, I didn't even know what you were saying to me. All of these comments <laughs> have made me self-conscious of trying to throw out compliments. <laughs> I'm not saying that you should be saying I'm a smoke show all the time. I'm just saying like, I rarely get complimented like oh, that. Oh, wow. I'm hearing a lot of mixed messages here. Well, no, I'm just, I was so unfamiliar with the term. Like, I didn't know if it was good or bad. Anyway, they clarify that they do everything on the island. They harvest, they ferment, they slaughter, they marinate, and they gel. They gel, Paige? We gel! I'd be like, I would like grapes in my jello mold. You can. So <laughs> the thing that they use to make foam, I hate making foams. I think they're, I'm, it's not my favorite texture. I don't like eating it. But the thing that you use to make them, you can also use to charge up grapes with champagne or like sparkling wine so that they're like little like grape wine gushers and that was the only reason I wanted to have that thing and I still never bought it but like someday I will because you could also do it with any liquid any liquid you can make Kool-Aid grapes you can make baby seeds what I know exactly what he's saying Paige but I'll wait come is too viscous I have liquid in my grapes as well it's too viscous it needs to be able to be aerosolated I'm not sterile if that's what you're saying <laughs> The last time I had any sort of foam was when I was hit with an overzealous wave when I was at the beach. I just don't come across many foams in my culinary life. It was very popular like 15 years ago. And 
it has mostly died out, thank goodness. But it's basically just foam with a flavor. It's it's also the same era of the Paco Jet, which we'll talk about the Paco Jet when we get to it because I watched instructional video. I am so glad you're going to tell me what that is. I'm going to tell you what it is. It took me two videos to kind of figure it out. I haven't watched a movie where I haven't understood many of the words that was an English film like this in so long. We're like turning on subtitles absolutely will not help you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're like, I... Could have figured out how to spell it, but I still don't know what Thanos is or whatever that lady says. And I know what gel is, so you can call me a foodinista. I understood all of it except for the Paco Jet. And I was like, the fuck is a Paco Jet? Like, I know all the other shit they're doing, but what is a Paco Jet? Uh, but I will let you guys guess how much they cost because you can buy one on Amazon. $3,000. It should be $8. I don't care about a Paco Jet. I don't even know what it does. Why would I ascribe any sort of value to it? I'll tell you what it does when we get to it. You wouldn't <laughs> need it because you're clearly an uncultured food Philistine. Yeah, you can just say I grew up poor, it. Paige. It means the same thing and just isn't coded language. It doesn't. You can actually cook really well on, a, on not a lot of money. Anyway, they passed the chef's house and they're like, no one's allowed to go in there. And we will find out that that's actually the restaurant later, that they are not even in the real restaurant, that the chef's house is where the actual restaurant is, because <laughs> that's where she walks through all those tables and the other kitchen. And she's just like, motherfucker. <laughs> I honestly thought he just had a practice kitchen in his house. He might. I think given what we found out about how long they planned this particular event made me think that they built that specially to keep people inside and sure. stuff and they knew they were going to burn it down anyway so they they all take their seats and we cut through the kitchen so we see them doing this is where the first place we see molecular gastronomy and plating tweezers uh which is where they're basically doing different gels of different types of melons and then they've got a um like a lace kind of like a crouton now it doesn't specifically say what it could have been parmesan cheese or it could just have been a wafer it could be either who knows and then this is the first time they use the paco jet because he asks them if they use the paco jet for it for the milk snow yeah so let's talk about a paco jet so paco jet is essentially a high powered pressurized blender so if you're making ice cream in a restaurant you have a couple different options you can have a blast chiller ice cream maker which is what they usually have on fucking chopped and stuff now but that ice cream is going to melt very very quickly if you want store-bought ice cream like that consistency you actually have to make the ice cream and then freeze it for a while and it's hard to do without it crystallizing. Or you can get something like a Paco Jet. And what it has you do is freeze your ingredients solid. So you have to freeze them overnight. You are limited to how much you can make or whatever. And then you put it in the Paco Jet, seal and lock it in. And it blends through frozen solid stuff while also infusing and pressurizing it with air. So it doesn't crystallize and it gets basically very, very soft. So it's like really nice ice cream instantly and it allows you to make small increments of it. So if you want to make just one serving of ice cream, you can or you can make 50 servings of ice cream. So for people who are doing different things all the time, let's say you, you serve six flavors of ice cream, but only two get ordered most of the time. And then every once in a while, somebody orders one of the other ones it allows you to kind of work back and forth a little easier. But they came out in 2011. So this, they're kind of older hat. But that's what a Paco Jet is. And they cost $8,000. <laughs> 
uh, if you want to have one at home. I don't think most people need one in their home. I think it's restaurant. It makes sense to me. Like a Snoopy ice cream maker. I mean, it's how you turn milk into snow, like nice, tasty snow. It's like ice cream consistency. I think it looks really cool on the it looks dish. Very they cool. Serve. Yeah. Like that's dope as shit. I, I did wonder. Yeah. And Paige, I, I can answer this for you. Probably. I'm going to shock you by asking a question. Mm-hmm. I am legitimately interested in this. Yeah. How do they make those little circles that are under it? Oh, yeah. That's that's the molecular gastronomy part. Are they like boiling it down to the flavor and then compressing okay. it into that? Like, I just didn't know how they came up with those tiny fucking perfect circles. Okay. I can tell you. I yeah, can yeah, tell do you. It, do it, do it. I'm genuinely interested, Paige. So this is molecular gastronomy is how they do this. And you do usually need immersion circulators and a couple other things to do it. It's a lot. It's very tool heavy. But essentially what you're doing is taking like a puree Mm-hmm. or uh, a syrup version of whatever the food you're making, usually a puree. And you're also including agar agar, which is uh, an alginate, which is what he tells her. It's like scum, but it's basically uh, a thickening agent. And people actually use agar agar in a ton of different things now because it's a non-animal byproduct thickening agent. Okay. So normally you would use like gelatin or something like that, but agar agar is not quite as stiff as gelatin And it doesn't come from animals, so people who are vegan can eat it. Uh, But because it's not as stiff as gelatin, you can actually infuse it and then control the temperature of a bowl of water. And then they inject it into the bowl of water. And because water is kind of thicker and holds things into a shape with the like tensile strength of the water, it'll hold things into circles. So it like automatically makes these kind of little perfect circles that you can then pick up and plate. Yeah. Anyway, so they all sit down, they have the first course, and they ask him not to, fo- they ask Nicholas Holt not to photograph the dishes, but he does anyway. Of course he does, because he's an entitled piece of shit. He's an entitled piece of shit, but more specifically, he is someone who is aspirational and wants to know everything about cooking, but refuses to actually do it himself. I love that aspect of his character, and I love that the executive chef, whose name no one can pronounce. Slowick. I met Rafe, Rafe Fines. Oh, Rafe Fines. Rafe Fines. <laughs> um, I love that he points it out. Like, I really do love yes. that. Like, those that are existing off the working class's labors are them themselves unable to do it. Yeah. I love that they pointed that out. Again, love the metaphor of this movie. It is just packaged in this like inaccessibly nerdy thing to me because I'm not interested in food or cooking like pages. Like I get why Paige loves this. Yeah. For for me it's total nerdery. No, yes. I know. And like one of the reasons I asked you that about the um, you know, emotions was because like yeah. I knew you would be able to explain it in like a very accessible like passionate way (laughs) and it was cool but like i i don't care about that stuff normally you know i have varying friends on on the food spectrum where i have friends who get way nerdier into shit than i do like i have a friend that i always borrow his dehydrator because i don't own a dehydrator but he does because he'll like make his own black garlic and garum and hot sauce and stuff and i just don't do that as much sure um but then i also have friends that are like i make the best pancakes (laughs) and you're just like so you're stopping at pancakes (laughs) 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 all right (laughs) make the best pancakes that's fine anyway the the photographing the food thing is another it's like an annoyance in the food world where some people love it some people hate it i don't mind it i because i think it's sometimes i like i see other people's food pictures and i'm just like oh i want to eat that 
Like, where is that? I'll go eat it, you know? I like food pics. I posted a food pic when we went to Gordon Ramsay's place. Like, I am guilty of that as well. Like, yeah. But Gordon Ramsay's not the kind of douche that would, like, come out and be like, stop doing that. Or, like, print my face on his next round of Beef Wellington to come out. Like, right. why is that guy... On my beef Wellington Taking a picture of his beef Wellington That's very meta Gordon That's a weird <laughs> joke to make I have a hot plate take on this topic Oh Great. I love that you just said hot plate take Let's, let's do it <laughs> It's like my one food reference People like pictures of food And use them to see if they want to go to a place They do Unlike pictures of fireworks Or concert videos Mikey which... I was just going to bring this up <laughs> Are way more annoying to me I am guilty <laughs> of like taking concert videos But I will 1000% own That I never go back and watch them Never like, ever. And I wish I wouldn't do that Do I think I'll continue to do it at concerts? Yeah probably <laughs> I, like, I think I think that's your toxic trait it's, it's one of them for sure Paige I don't know if it is the toxic trait But it sure is one That's like the worst trait you have And I think that's pretty good I that's like new good. complimentary Mikey I'm really trying guys <laughs> I, so I refused to take concert video when I saw Elton John and I think it actually enhanced the concert experience for me because I just sat there and experienced the music. Yeah, no, Paige, this is going to sound pretentious for me now, but like music is the thing I get pretentious about. Right. So like, please know that when I'm calling it pretentious, this movie specifically, I get that it's just not my kind of pretentious. Right. And if this was about music, I would be like, this movie's everything. You know, like I, wa <laughs> like I was yeah. for... What I would say is the music version of this, Rock of Ages. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think I would have had the restraint it would take for me not to get a live video of Benny and the Jets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I do know that it would enhance my actual experience of it. And I don't think I'd probably ever go back and watch it. Although... I might for Benny and the Jets. Well, thankfully, Disney Plus taped that concert. Nice. So okay. I don't have to. I can just go watch that. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. just sat there when they played Yellow Brick Road and cried and honestly wouldn't trade Fuck. it for the world. But Love that song. there are many in the fancy food community who view photographing your food in the same way as photographing your concerts. And basically, the, the idea is you should just be experiencing the smells, the taste, the appearance and interacting with the meal as an experience as opposed to just photographing it. I don't care if people photograph their food because I love food pics, but I understand where those people are coming from. And if somebody asked me not to take pictures of the food, I wouldn't. But same. Nicholas Holt can't help himself. I've been to art exhibits or art installations where they ask you not to take photos. Right. Like um, the most recent one I went to was Bodies. I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's like a traveling thing that goes from city to city. And they ask you not to take photos of it. And it was cool as shit but like it's a weird that's a weird one because of its connection to a cult but yeah well and also the the way they source the bodies i found out later that's on that's what like it is that's they're political ethical. prisoners they're, yeah, they're Falun so like, gong members i yeah. wish i had known that before i went before to you it. went yeah <laughs> but like that was one of those things where you get home and you're like oh i wonder where else this has been and you google it and you're like oh it's also been in chicago oh, oh no no <laughs> i just got to the third result Anyway, so yeah, but like, I don't have any problem if people don't want them to take pictures of your art. What I get right. weirded out about is when an artist gets overly critical of the way their art is consumed by people who enjoy it. Just like, let them fucking enjoy it however they want to enjoy it. Now, that is different from taking pictures. Like, I, I get that. Yes. But like, yeah. if someone likes it, doesn't like it, or maybe likes a component of it or makes them feel a certain thing that... Is connecting in their life I don't care I'm just glad you're connecting To something that I created I don't know It's just weird It's a weird note For a creator to have I, I feel that I feel that 
Okay, but I I do care sometimes because if a Nazi came up and told me they liked my stuff, I would care a lot and it would bother me a lot. You know why it wouldn't bother me? Because you got their money. Okay, do you know the two reasons it wouldn't bother me? (laughs) (laughs) Why? Uh, Because that lets me know that they don't necessarily disagree with my stance on tolerance and things like that because they're able to actually get through the episodes and I get super fucking preachy sometimes and I get that. But that, that means that maybe there's hope for that person and we can like get him some help and some services to that's get him out of the take. cult he's that, in. That's an optimistic take. Oh, it's way opt- more optimistic than that skinhead <laughs> Look deserves, at all of right? us being optimistic today. <laughs> well, see, yeah, see, my, my version of it is what have I said to attract you? Because I want to be the the absolute opposite. Oh, yeah. No, I understand that. Well, some things I've learned lately are like sarcasm is difficult for a lot of people <laughs> anyway, so they ask him not to photograph. He does it anyway. Uh, he asks them about the Paco jet and they, he's like, I've got it at home. I've got a Paco jet at home. And the guy's like, why? <laughs> I bet that dude's kitchen is a fucking mess of shit he never uses. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he clearly doesn't know how to like cook very well. Like, yeah, he's the kind of rich who has a chef. He is, I think, a hobbyist, which is awesome. And if you have a shitload of money, go all out with your hobbies. Like that's fucking dope for that guy. Great. But, like, the fact that he hung himself after he didn't cook a great meal in front of the best chef in the world in in, in his eyes is insane to me. Well, we don't know what the chef whispered to him, but I think it was more the idea that his entire life is a fraud and that he equated consuming someone else's art to being able to create his own. Oh, that is, I think, a common misunderstanding of a certain class of people, right? Mm -hmm. Just because they can afford to buy it means that they themselves can recreate it, which is not true. But Mm -hmm. I also don't think ultimately someone who was raised that way would give a shit. I think they'd be like, oh, yeah, fuck you. I could buy and sell you four times over. I don't care. But I also feel like I can explain it away in the movie because in my mind, he's a member of the cult. He just doesn't live there, you know? Well, because he went there knowing everyone would die. Yes. So he's prepared to die. So, yes, he is a member of the cult. Yeah, he's the only patron, if you want to call them that, or victim. Yes. That I think is a member of the cult. I think the rest of them are innocent or maybe not so innocent victims. And of course, the staff is all in the cult, too. Right. I think I would have killed everyone who made The Last Jedi in the other movie after that. Just wholesale? You want to murder the people who were in charge of making two of the most recent Jedi movies. After having just said, people don't get sarcasm anymore. If you touch Oscar (laughs) Isaac and John Boyega, I will rip your skin I think he means the creative team, not the actors. Yeah. Anyway, we kind of make the rounds at the tables where we find out that uh, John Leguizamo's assistant is trying to leave and all of these banker bros are total douches. They take uh, Margot Onion Taylor-Joy's coat because she has it on the back of her chair. Yeah. Um, And... We kind of get a sense that, like, these are not great people. <laughs> these are frustrating, annoying people or yeah. people who are uh, morally undesirable for one reason or another. Um, but then we come back around to Nicholas Holt and Onion Taylor-Joy. And this is why this is where he basically describes why food is his thing. Now, I do think it's wild that he starts out with athletes and musicians are fucking stupid and don't matter. I was like, bro. You got to admit that your thing that you're nerdy about is the same as the thing that other people are nerdy about. It's like, whatever. But 
I do like this idea of chefs play with life and death itself because if you are cooking protein, you have killed things. If you're picking things, you've killed things. But if you're growing things to foster them for the best flavor, you're also dealing in life. And I think that's an interesting thing to talk about with chef stuff. But then he just devolves into like, I've seen like every episode of Chef's Table. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I know exactly who this douchebag is. Uh, and it's, I think that whole sen- like that whole section is literally meant to typify him as a douchebag that watches because he cannot do. And I think the section about playing with life and death is probably something he stole from somebody, not something that he has actually had a thought himself. Like from the closet? No, like, like from, like he watched an episode of Chef's Table and heard a chef say it, and then he just repeats it back. Like he does not have original thought around it. He is an observer that has equated himself with the artist itself. Yeah, he is more or less like an obsessive fan with unlimited funds. Yes. Right? So like has never had to work a day in their life because daddy or granddad or great granddad, like there's money in the family, right? So like there's- I don't think my father, the inventor of the Paco Jet, would want me to talk to you without my lawyer present. <laughs> Stop making gel happen. It's never going to happen. It's never gonna Stop happen. trying to make foam happen, Paige. If I went to a restaurant and they served me foam, I would flip a fucking table. Mikey, I think you might actually like foam because it's usually seafood. And so it's usually just the flavor of seafood infused into a foam and usually with some of those little molecular gastronomy pearls. You could get some foam oysters. Oysters. I want real seafood if I'm going to eat seafood. Same. I, I, I prefer to have the actual food. Anyway, we cut to the first course where they plate up local flora and fauna and rocks with scallops, uh, which I ma- I've made fresh scallops one time. And I'm, I'm not a seafood person, but those scallops were fucking amazing. I can make scallops. Scallops are the, the seafood thing that I'm like, I can hang because if you do them right in like a white wine and butter sauce or whatever, they're fucking out of this world. They just taste like garlic, like garlic marshmallows. Anyway. Uh, And this is where he does his first introduction. Clap. Yeah. Now, before it gets weird, like in the first couple courses, his introductions are really interesting from a food perspective. And I was like, I think I would enjoy this restaurant if it wasn't murderous. (laughs) If I was doing a course meal, there's places that do stuff like this and that, like fancy places. I would like a chef to come out and explain the shit because I don't know what the fuck I'm eating. I went to one like a month ago with Natalie. It was awesome. It was super expensive, but the food was so good. It was great. It was fun. But no one died, you know? No one died and they don't give you enough food. So you're like, that was so amazing. You want to go to In-N-Out? Like, that's how it always goes. (laughs) I do like In-N-Out and the person I ordered from really explained animal style to me in the same fashion fashion as this and (laughs) i needed that it's a thousand island reduction over a plate of palm frites palm frites i love it that's just french fries guys is that what that means yeah that's just french fries you're paying 17 dollars for anyway uh but he introduces it as uh you know, this is basically everything from the island. The island does all the work for this dish. You'll in you'll eat fat, salt, sugar, protein, bacteria, fungi, fun fun guy, plants, animals, and essentially entire ecosystems because it's basically all of the flora and fauna around the scallop with just slightly frozen seawater, which will provide your kind of seasoning and salt. Yeah. And this is also where he says, be mindful, do not eat, savor, taste. Yeah. Relish, consider every morsel. And she throws this back in his face later of like, you told me not to eat. But I do get what he's saying here from like, if you're eating fancy food, if you just like, Hork it down the same way you'd eat like a hot pocket. Like you're not really getting, (laughs) 
everything that people have put into the food. You want to like let it sit and taste. Like the last time I went to a cheese tasting, the lady required us to basically eat the cheese on its own first and then try it with the pairing so that you could understand the notes of the cheese as you went. Uh, And that's kind of what he's saying here. Just like take your time truly tasting everything we put on your plate. Uh, But these people don't give a shit. They're just there because it's expensive. Yeah. I think this dish looks disgusting as one scallop that I would eat and then that would be it. And it's also served to you on the top of a fucking rock. I'd be like, hey, can I get a plate or something that I can like eat off of? Like I would have left this restaurant almost immediately. I think it's kind of fun that they made dioramas for everyone's scallop. And I do think it's wild that it's just one scallop, though. I'm like, at least give me three scallops. But whatever but they again he's also there's also like so many courses so usually when you do something like that it's always like one or two bites of something yeah because you're gonna have like eight of them so that is true and they have i mean i I realize the last course is them getting murdered but there are six courses right right yeah and nicholas holt eats the scallop and cries yeah uh, because he finds it very moving i've never cried at a tasting i have cried at an elton don concert but like i've yeah i've never cried at a tasting I could imagine maybe doing that if it was something so amazingly beautifully tasting and I would be like, I could never eat this again. This is a one-time thing. Like, that might... It'd be a lot to make me cry, though. That's a trick I play so I never have to go down on someone ever again. Boo! I was not expecting that to be what you said. DJ Khaled, we did not invite you to be on this (laughs) podcast today. That just tasted so beautiful I can never experience it again. Boo. Do you tell that to the next girl, too? You're like... Trust me. Yeah. This is all part of the bad boyfriend experience. You can order now (laughs) on Patreon.com. Press one for calling your mom a bitch. Press two. I'll put you on hold, not listen to your story, and make a wild claim about it later. If you want someone to half listen to you through text and then use that half listen to information to throw in your face in a very mean way in three months, we've got an experience for you. Anyway. So uh, they also have wine pairings. Now, the wine pairing is my other favorite in-joke of this movie because every single one, they introduce a a fad wine thing as they do it where they have one that's like hyper-decanted using an immersion blender, which you can do. Or you can use the thing that... I still get invited to food stuff sometimes. And for some reason, the thing that I always get sent or people always want to give me free ones are Vacuvan or Aero. I forget what it's called, but they're decant. They're like air decanters where you just pour wine through it and it decants it into instantly. And I just don't drink. So like it doesn't is useless to me. It's lost on you. Yeah. That would be like giving one out in an AA meeting. Yeah. No, I understand what it does and why it does it. And yes, it does taste better. Great. I just don't drink enough wine for it to make a difference to me. Yeah, I don't drink. And Natalie only drinks wine like occasionally. Like we have wine in the house, but like it's so rare we don't ever decant it. But also who decants barefoot wine? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like it's $5 wine. So like I do. Oh, my God. Now I want to get a decanter and like become like this douche smellier about barefoot wine. Smellier? Smellier. Uh, Pro tip, Todd. For, first of all, you usually only decant reds. Yeah, I think the bit's funnier if you're using a white or like a pink or whatever, like Moscato or I whatever. Agree. You could decant it in the refrigerator. Oh, you, love it. 
Here's what you got to do, because people have done this online. You can use a Brita filter. Wait, what? Yes. Okay. Part of the reason those decanters and things are so popular is it aerates the wine so you don't taste as much of some of the carbon and tannins in the wine, right? A Brita filter will do almost the same thing. I am still over here trying to figure out why when you pour wine into a Brita filter, it just doesn't come out as like water. Like, that's my level of understanding of, like, water filters. Are you saying that Brita is the Antichrist? (laughs) Yes, I am. That is exactly right. She turns wine into water. We don't have time to go through this right now, (laughs) So we do, at this point, get... John Link was almost pitched for his travel food show. Fuck, I love this so much because this is a guy who has firmly been coasting on being famous 20 years ago for the past 25 years. Like, he is washed up as much as you can be as an actor. And he is so, like, confident that he's going to, like, have this food show. And his assistant is like, walk me through your pitch. And he lays out what is the worst version of, like, an idiot abroad or somebody feed Phil or like those like travel food shows that I think are actually pretty great. Like if you haven't seen an idiot abroad, it's pretty amazing. Idiot abroad is very fun. I I do like some Anthony Bourdain from time to time anyway, but his pitch is I, I go to Italy Capri pants on a Vespa. I eat the cheese. I like orgasm from the cheese. Then I fly to South Africa and I'm like, Hey, racism isn't cool. (laughs) Emmy time. That was his pitch. And she was like, you have something better than that for like Monday, right? And he was like, no, that's it. I would watch a show about a dude who is completely clueless going to different places to try to like make things better. Then you want to watch An Idiot Abroad. Yeah, that's what An Idiot Abroad is. It's not technically a food travel show. It's just a travel show. Yeah. Yeah. But does he talk about like racism? Not in the way you want him to. Like I'd watch a show where we're like, we're flying Steven Seagal down to South Africa. No. For them to kick his ass. <laughs> I would only watch it if it's just us watching Steven Seagal get his ass kicked. Like if it's us watching him get choked out so that he shits his pants, that's a true story. That's a real thing that happened to Steven Seagal. Yeah, that actually did happen yeah. to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the set of some movie. Like he was yes. bragging about how I think it was like a no trainer one could on hit the him. set or whatever. Like, yeah, that no one could hit him or no one could like yeah. choke him out or whatever. And the guy choked him until he shit, and he himself, shit himself on <laughs> set in front of people. It's one of my favorite stories ever. It was wild, man. In the the 80s, you could just like be a lying liar who lies and become like super famous. Yeah. Well, and uh, his assistant is like, I don't even think you can go to South Africa with a DUI. And then they cut away. I love that cutaway because it was just like a throwaway line. But I love jokes like that where it's like a very funny joke and then immediately you're into something else. (laughs) Love it. Yes. We do cut through to the food critic who's just like, and you know this is you know you're paying for the experience or whatever uh and then we cut to the older couple who's been there a bunch of times and doesn't remember what they ate and they are the quintessential old rich couple dining where they're just like not even really speaking to each other or anything and she just says i saw perry at de laurentis the other day now i don't know if I think this might be a reference to Giada De Laurentiis, basically implying that they go to famous restaurants and buy famous chefs. That, that makes sense with their, why? yeah, no, yeah. that makes complete sense with their characters for sure. Yeah. Anyway, plating in five, they clap. It's the next course and it is the breadless bread plate. And boy, did this make me laugh a lot <laughs> because 
I would totally try this. Like if somebody had it on a menu, I'd be curious enough. I mean, if I if they brought it to the table, I would definitely eat it. Like I would. Oh yeah. So I would try it for sure. I would be pissed I didn't get bread because I love me some starches. But like, I do love bread. I come from an old food tradition called happy plate, and I make them every time. What's a happy plate? Where you finish all the food on your plate. Oh, okay. Do you call that a happy plate? And how long have you done that? Since I was one. So that, that's like a your family thing, right? Yeah. That's so cool. But what if you get full before the plate is empty? Then your plate will forever be sad as fuck. <laughs> yeah, you don't have a happy plate. Yeah. You did not win dinner. And this explains a lot about my eating yeah, habits. Yeah, I'm going to say that that's maybe an unhealthy relationship with food. Uh, that's maybe not great. But I'll say this. Like, a lot of times as kids, like, you do hear, like, clean your plate. And I feel like happy plate is literally the same amount of syllables. So, like... Sure. I'm sure it was like used in that same context with Mikey. Like that makes sense to me. It is. And I also can't, I can't throw stones because whenever I can't finish anything, I just hand it to my husband. Well, that was me this weekend. Like pretty much every meal we yes. went to, I was like, Hey, Mikey Amando, do you want to eat the rest of this? And they were like, yes, I do. Jake is so jealous of the the mac and cheese with the fried chicken. He's like, you're going to have to try and make it. And I was like, I'll, I'll do my best. Paige, that was, I think the most unexpectedly good thing we ate. I know I can make bacon jam, so like I can get that part and of it, and key, I make man. killer mac and cheese. That bacon jam on the top of that chicken was so good. We're talking about a biscuit place called District Biscuits in Kansas City. It was so good. Hell yeah. Uh, and of course we went to Slaps. I, I think Slaps was my favorite meal again this year. Always. I just love Slaps. It's so good. And that love wasp it. got Mikey twice his order. It was so nice. Of burnt ends. Yeah. Mikey bought burnt ends, and then a wasp landed in it, and so, like one of the employees noticed and was like, I'll get you more. <laughs> so we yeah, brought like, another right. whole thing of burnt ends. And you wonder why I believe in God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wonder. Anyway. Yeah. So the reason there's no bread on this bread plate is because bread is the food of the common man, which is actually very, very true. Bread has is kind of ubiquitous because it's easy to make. Most people, even throughout history, have a way to make bread and eat bread. Yeah. And so they serve them essentially the condiments that would come along with bread and then a three by five card that basically says the bread that you're not eating. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was, was so made funny. from an artisanal bakery. <laughs> I was dying. I thought it was hilarious. Um, but and this is really funny, too, where he's like, there's a theme. You're trying to guess what the theme is. And she's like, yeah, he's insulting you. He hates all of you. That's the theme. And he's like, I don't think you understand what a theme is. And she's just like. No, I understand. <laughs> and I think you maybe don't understand. Which, watching it the second time, because the first time I was just like, this is such a pretentious thing. Yeah. Yes. And then the second time I'm like, oh, she's absolutely right. She's absolutely yeah. right. I love that this is another in-food joke is they cut over to the uh, food critic and she's like, well, I I make my own bread peasant style yeasty. But she notices that there's a broken emulsion and talks about it. And then the waitress or the, the server or maitre d', I guess, because she's kind of responsible for everybody. Yeah, I th she's like head of front of the house. Like she's yeah. the person in charge of the wait staff and all that. Yeah. When they kept bringing broken emulsions to that table, I thought it was the funniest thing ever because she's like, here's another broken emulsion courtesy of the chef. They do it two and more times. Like they do it two do times. It two more yeah. times. It's so <laughs> funny. Because like the first time they did it, I was like, oh, bitch, they heard you. And then anytime she complained, they would bring her another one. Yeah. I lost my mind. So, so funny. And here's the thing. Yes, you probably shouldn't have a broken emulsion at a restaurant that fancy. 
but who gives a fuck? He hates these people. I bet he put it there on purpose. <laughs> yeah, in my mind, it wasn't like, oh, stop complaining. We're going to continue to give you what we messed up. Yeah. In my mind, it was, we know it was broken. So are you. Here's so more. Are you. You know, but here's the thing: even a broken emulsion is probably still pretty delicious at a oh, restaurant this fancy. Yeah, I definitely would have tried every one of those things that are on the Absolutely. painter's pa- palette with no bread on it or whatever that thing is. You know? Yeah. Well, and and Nicholas Holt eats all of them. And here's the crazy thing: you're like, even when things starts going, <laughs> things start going bad. Nicholas Holt's enjoyment of everything they feed him is hilarious to me. Oh, Nicholas Holt is having the best night of his life up until the point he takes his own life. Time of his life. Which is another thing that like leads to me to be like, uh, there's no causality in this movie. It's hard to watch because no one does anything that anyone would actually do ever. So like that's another thing that bothers me about these types of movies. But yeah, in in these types, yes. But like if you're comparing this to Midsummer, like Midsummer has way yeah. better causality than this it does but they yeah they bring her another broken emulsion hilarious the bankers ask for bread and they're like do you know who we are we work for doug varick who we will find out is the angel investor for this restaurant and i do love the front of the house lady who's just like uh no <laughs> and they're like do you know who we are yes so can we get that bread no, no. and then i love that she leans over and says You'll eat less than you desire, but more than you deserve. And walks away. And I was like, damn. (laughs) You know, as I think about it, I do think people who have been in food service for a long period of time, if you tell them they will get to say and do anything to a a terrible patron, you might be able to get them to work at this place. Oh, I will never forget. I I had folded a whole thing of clothes and a customer just destroyed it. And another customer stepped in and was like, why the hell would you do that? This isn't your house. Fold that. And then they made the (laughs) other customer refold it. That's great. And it was one of the best days of my entire life. Well, because you can't, you couldn't have You can't say that to people. Yeah. Yeah. And I am now that customer who shouts at other customers because I know that they can't, like the workers can't. Yeah. Uh, But if you were in a situation where it was like, you could tell customers exactly what's up. I'd be like, yes, every day is your last day. (laughs) I mean, and she does have some like senioritis energy in this whole movie. Yeah. Love it. This is Mikey from Harvard. And I practiced this ad for factor in my car today. (laughs) Can you show us what you practiced? Yeah. 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 Mikey from Harm Virgin here to talk about Factor. <laughs> Nailed it. I have used Factor on and off the last couple of years, uh, especially since 2020. My work is very busy. I have a very busy day job. He does. I have a very busy hobby uh-huh. slash second job called podcasting. <laughs> yeah, it's so much work for you. <laughs> Eating healthy is hard. Cooking, I'm single. <laughs> Cooking single is hard. And I've loved Factor. Other people, they ship you ingredients. You have to cook them. It takes a long time. Factor. They ship you fresh, never frozen meals. And it always only takes two minutes, which is like my favorite thing. I never have to think about how long it has to go in the microwave. It's two minutes. That's what my dating profile says. Always two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) It's helped me eat healthier, though. They have a bunch of like dietary options, like low calorie or protein or keto. Is it keto? Keto? Mikey, you've said it wrong so many times. I'm not sure if I remember how to say it right. It's keto, right? Keto. No, it's keto. It's keto. 
But anyway, Factor's amazing. <laughs> so just head to factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 and use code horrorvirgin50 to get how much percentage off, Mikey? Were you paying attention? 50. Damn. 50% off. Literally half off. That's code horrorvirgin50 at factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 to get 50% off. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Anyway, she accidentally, uh, Onion Taylor Joy breaks a wine glass. Well, no, she doesn't. Nicholas Holt does when he goes and reaches for her plate. Yeah, because she didn't eat any of it. In fact, she doesn't eat anything until the very end of this movie. Right. Well, she eats the uh, amuse-bouche on the boat. Amuse-bouche. But I think from then on, she doesn't until the burger. Uh, I think she tastes one or two things, but she doesn't ever actually eat, eat stuff. Yeah. Um, But this prompts Ray Fiennes to come over and be like, you haven't eaten your food. And she's like, no, I'm good. And he's like, and and she says, I decide what I eat and what I don't. And he kind of slinks away. And I think what happens across the course of this movie is that he comes to admire her because she's not a sycophant like everyone else like yeah everyone else is there because they're like well this is the fanciest food there is it doesn't matter if i actually like it or not it is a status symbol i am here because it's expensive i don't care about your art no matter how good you make it i'm just here because it's the thing to be which is definitely a, a critique of modern fancy restaurants, for sure. I think it's a critique of more than just fancy restaurants. I feel like yeah, that's a lot of art like, in general. Well, let me say it this way. I understand that, and I'll probably never be this famous, but if I was, if I walked into a room and everybody knew who I was mm-hmm. and wanted to talk to me about the thing I did for my day job, and there was one person there who didn't know who I was, but was cool as shit. I'd rather talk to that person all night because we're going to have like a real conversation. (laughs) Not, you know, it's not like some sycophantic conversation to use a word you, I think correctly use earlier page. Yes. Like I would much rather talk to onion Taylor joy than everyone else in that room. You know? Oh, I would too. Well, I mean, not for that reason, Mikey, to be clear, how would you guys like this movie? If instead of Nicholas Holt and onion Taylor joy, it's, Richard Gere and Julia Roberts from Pretty Woman. No, thank you. I do feel like Richard Gere would have gotten what he deserved, but <laughs> I don't need that movie. And then, like, she's just like <laughs> laughing, like, ha ha ha, at the boat or whatever. <laughs> Yes. Back to what Todd was saying about the one person <laughs> who doesn't recognize you. I I had the op the the flip of that experience where I was at a very famous person party and did recognize someone but just didn't want to talk to them. Yeah. And then they like sought me out to talk to me where they were like, "Who are you?" Which is a weird energy to bring to a party that's not at your house. <laughs> not at your house. I know. And it was like, "Yeah, dude, I know you're famous. Like, but I don't know you. I don't have anything to say to you." Famous were famous were yeah he's very john leguizamo in this film yeah maybe not as bad as the person that john leguizamo is pretending to be maybe he is i honestly don't know yeah Paige, you you probably would know more than me i honestly have no idea anyway so he goes back to the kitchen 
And she's just like, oh, what a prick. And Nicholas Holt is like, you're humiliating me. You're acting like a child. He says you're acting like a fucking child. And she's like, oh, you need to apologize to me right now. Like, I, I really like yeah. that she stood up for herself in that moment. She was like, yeah, you may have hired me for the night, but like, I'm not going to put up yeah. with verbal abuse. And I was like, good for you. I don't care if you break up with me. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I got your money already. There's no way she didn't take money in advance. Like, oh, I hope she took the money in advance. I honestly feel like when dealing with people in that level of income or that level of money, not even really income. You I should bet, always get money in advance. Exactly. Because I bet he doesn't actually have an income. He has a trust fund. Yeah. So he has the money, but he probably doesn't really think people need money because he doesn't know what that really is to people because he's like that level of wealth. I mean, I'm just going to say as as a business person in general, get money in advance. Yeah. Anyway, we get to the third course. And this is where he has made his own tortillas. And this is where they do the immersion blender wine decanting. Uh, but this is where he does this like, hey, I've known for my tacos and my tortillas. It's the thing that put me on the map. But we have a new laser printer. So they have unique things on them. I did think this is pretty cool. Like, I love when it gets to the banker's table, it show it's like proof that they're, it's their bank statements. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Great. But it's not just their bank statements, which would be scary enough it is fraud accounts yes. that they are purposefully overcharging like they're committing a crime and he yep. has proof of them committing a crime like that was cool he has proof of the regulars that he is cheating on his wife right well yeah that he's having an affair but also or he's at least seeing like escorts we don't Yes. Know the nature of the quote unquote affair. We don't. But this is also where the wife in that couple notes that Onion Taylor Joy looks like their daughter. Yeah. Which the more we find out, the fucking creepier it is. That guy probably did deserve to die. Yeah. And there's probably (laughs) a very good reason why their daughter does not talk to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hated it. I really hated it. But I also hated that for the sins that her husband committed, she also like her. His wife deserves to die? Yes. Like, I hated that. Again, none of them deserve to die, Todd. I know that, He's a villain. (laughs) Paige, I know that. I know. Satire is always the extreme behavior to prove a point, and it's it's a fiction fictitious scenario yeah man, like upton sinclair's eating the babies no that it's it's jonathan swift that ate the babies but you know. and also didn't eat the babies made a right. radically stupid suggestion to point out how crazy something was but yes like the movie also has to be enjoyable to watch i, I enjoyed it still yeah i liked i liked the movie part i just didn't like the suicide stuff yeah well we're about the, to get the to suicide that, stuff yeah we're, we're about to get to it literally in the next course so He introduces his mother, who unfortunately uh, has an alcohol problem um, and describes a very troubling story, although literally two courses later describes a completely different upbringing. So I don't know if this is actually his mom or if any of this is true. I assumed it was true. And I assumed he kills her before he lights the place on fire because we see her, I assume, dead, passed out right before he lights the s'mores. Uh, It's because she grabbed a champagne bottle like one or two scenes before that and we see her drink the whole thing. So I think she's passed out drunk. Oh, I mean, that could be too. I just yeah. assumed that, well, I mean, either way she dies, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Everybody dies. Yeah. Anyway, so everyone's tortillas have like secrets. Uh, like one is the restaurants that she closed for the the food critic. The other <laughs> yeah. is is the the cheating, the bank statements. And then for Nicholas Holt, it's him photographing the food. Yeah. Which I thought was very, very funny. And like for the next 20 minutes of the movie, he's like, should I apologize for taking photos of the food? 
<laughs> yes. Now, as that's happening, Onion Taylor Joy gets up to go to the bathroom and uh, she asks what's behind the silver door. They won't tell her. Um, but while she's in the bathroom, she looks out the window to kind of smoke and sees them carrying a set of wings into the forest. Yeah. The chef walks into the ladies room and is just like, why are you not eating my food? This makes me very upset. And she's like, I'm not hungry. And he's like, who are you? Because you shouldn't be here tonight. Yeah. Basically being like, you're not part of this. You're not part of the plan. You don't know what's going on. You definitely don't deserve this. You you have not committed any of the sins that I am holding against these people. So like, I need to know what to do with you, which is weird that he has a conscience in that way. Yeah, it is. Because he's, I mean, he's a crazy villain. Crazy villains do crazy shit. Yeah, it's almost like his actions don't align with his beliefs and it makes it feel weird. I think they do because I think in a way he sees a little bit of himself in her before he lost yeah, the love of what he does. I don't necessarily disagree with that. And I do love the metaphor of this movie. I just don't love how they do it. I do love, I think Rafe does an amazing job in this scene though, because he is saying like, you shouldn't be here. And it. she's taking it like, yeah, but I am here. Get over it. Like, just serve me food. Fuck whatever. But he has like so much compassion in his eyes mm -hmm. in the scene because he knows what's going to happen already. And that is just like amazing acting, I think. He makes it work. But if, if it was anybody else, it wouldn't work. Ralph Frowny Face is the best actor. Yes. I think in this scene, because uh, again, she doesn't know what's happening yet. We have not revealed what Nicholas Holt knows yet. In this scene, when he's saying you're not supposed to be here you shouldn't be here. This was planned. I think she's taking it as I'm not good enough to be here. Yeah. Because that's what people have kind of implied about her all night. Well, and she's probably heard her entire life. Right. But what he's really saying is like, you are not part of the statement we're trying to make, basically. Yeah. You're not David S. Pumpkin. You're not part of it. Right. What did I do? Mikey, where were we? Oh, that was during was Evil, Evil Dead, Dead Rise. <laughs> When she gets in, in the elevator and Mikey turned to me and was like, how many David S. Pumpkins are on this? And I just said, part of it. And then we laughed. We cut to the next course where he introduces sous chef Jeremy, who basically standing on a tarp with herbs around him. They go through this whole speech of he's good, but he'll never be great. He will never have the prestige and talent that I do. He aspires. He works hard. He puts us all into everything, but he will not ever be what I am. And he does not want it because of what it will take from him. And he then, unfortunately, completes suicide, which is very upsetting, but is definitely them saying people will do everything in their power and work as hard as they can and you still will not care and you still will not give them the respect they deserve for the work that they do because you view these people as not people well and we see nicholas holt treat them that way when he was like yep. when i think it's the maitre d asks his name and then on onion points out that he didn't ask her, her their name and he was like well why would i it's this guy yeah, yeah, yeah so he it's in the beginning when he says he can observe and he goes up to jeremy who yeah. is the guy that has just unfortunately completed oh. suicide he never gets his name yeah yeah i mean and this dish is called the mess and when we see yes. him actually shoot himself in the head and they like draw the curtain so it doesn't get on the food or whatever they put down a tarp yeah but like still i was like this is called the mess and there's hardly a mess after what he did. Like, it would be way messier than what we're seeing on screen. Oh, for sure. There'd be brain bits everywhere. Yes. 
and they, they pull him away and it, for a, for a moment i wondered if it was fake for shock value well and a lot of them in there think it's fake until you know what happens happens to the guy who's in the regular couple right right which is pretty soon honestly like they know pretty early on what's for sale here like what's actually happening that night you know right and so then they actually plate and serve the food now what they actually serve to them looks amazing because it's like bone marrow but with like steak and beef jus and i was just like that looks amazing but if you look at the recipe that they post it's like all the things and then r.i.p jeremy yeah and you're just like oh brutal Yeah. So this is where the older couple gets up to leave because they're like, yo, we've been here like 11 times and no one's ever killed themselves during dinner. Like this is a bit much. This is the worst murder mystery party ever. Clearly, we know who did it. We We saw it. Yes, we saw it. Hold on. I'm a riverboat captain. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're Captain Crunch. I'm the Crunchurian. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, the older couple tries to leave and they won't let them leave. And the dude is like, no, 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 I'll handle it. And the front of the house is just like, which hand? Which hand will you handle it with? And they cut off his left ring finger. Well, and he won't decide. So the mater d lady decides for him and decides to take off to continue beating a dead horse his left ring finger. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, after that happens, because everyone's just like flipping the fuck out, right? They hand the ring back to the wife. I love how she's like, Thank you. All the acting in this, amazing. Yes. But they bring Onion Taylor Joy back into the kitchen. And this is where he's like, I don't know where to seat you. Are you with us or with them? And she's like, is everyone going to die? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, so what does it fucking matter? And he's like, do you want to be with those who give or those who take? And she's just like, everyone's dying. (laughs) This is the same. And he's like, well, you have 15 minutes because I've got a break between courses. So return to your seat. The next dish is exquisite. And then you can choose. Yeah. She gets back to the table and Nicholas Holt is like, did he give you a kitchen treat? Like, was it protein or veg? A kitchen course? Ugh. He's the worst. He is the the worst. Anyway, we cut through to a couple other tables and they're like, what are we? We could like try and take them and John Languizamo tries to like hook up with the bankers and be like I did this in a movie we can take them and they're like don't you think their knife skills are better and he's just like oh yeah and he just kind of like goes back to his table it's because John Languizamo's plan was to when they bring us utensils to eat let's use those to fight our way out which is a shitty plan but honestly probably the best plan that they could come up with you know right because they are sort of trapped in that room you know so like not great but like best option right but they uh, decide not to do it yes that part to me I was like just fight somebody's got to fight yeah yeah I I wish somebody would have tried to fight yeah I think I just because I think it would have given us more momentum in the movie but it also would have made things I think more believable if there was a believable reason why I did feel like there was no way anyone could get out that makes sense to me but even Voldemort says if you had tried you probably could have got away somebody could have but I will say in most cult scenarios even people who are like I would totally fight a lot of people don't a lot of people are either too scared or confused or overwhelmed no I get why the cult members would go along with it because they're in the no no no. I mean like even the people confronted with that like you know people who get trapped as hostages by cults like it a lot of times people just don't because they're worried. They want to try and live. And so if they think that they can be nice and maybe that'll make people live, like 
That's what a lot of people default to. Yeah. This is going to sound like I'm doing a bit, but I have honestly never been in a hostage situation like that. So I don't know uh, what that would be like. So I'm not doing the I can't empathize bit. Like I like legit have not been yeah. in that situation. So I don't know. Well, I haven't done a bit that didn't relate to that bit. So I can't <laughs> empathize with your non bit bit. I feel like <laughs> everyone thinks they're going to be a hero or or they're going to fight. And in, in the moment, it is so overwhelming. And and honestly, I don't blame anyone for not fighting because like your your job in that moment is to stay alive. And so sometimes people just stay put. And I feel like if I was in a hostage situation, I would not be surprised if I was just like, no, I'll just sit here. It'll be fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's OK. Anyway, this is where he starts to go into why he's taking some of this stuff out on people. He starts with the food critic. Yeah. And he's like, you were my early advocate, but your reviews have closed so many restaurants for people who worked hard, who had good food because you were a pretentious bitch. And then he basically points to the other guy and he's like, you enable her and coddle her. And then in the middle of this, they serve her another broken emulsion. <laughs> so funny. To I loved that. Yeah. Anyway, they warn Onion Taylor Joy that she only has 10 minutes, but then they move on to the regulars and they're like, you've eaten here 11 times. Most people are lucky to even be able to eat here once. Just name one dish you ate the last time you were here and they can't. They literally just can't. I love this shot though because he's asking the husband and the husband has no fucking idea because he's checked out of life a while ago and his wife, who is by all accounts a saint, a little boozy saint, but she seems fine. But she goes, cod, cod, cod. And then he says cod and he's like, no, it was halibut. You both deserve to die or whatever. Because <laughs> well, he's, it matters to the fish and it matters to the artist. Like you killed something and it matters. I, and this sort of I should have brought this up when you were talking about the critic, but this sort of like ties into that. I think he blames the critic for making him successful yes. because he wanted to make whatever he wanted to make. And then he got stuck in this spiral of the better he got and the more probably extravagant he got, the more famous he got, the more money he made. Yep. He just like chased this like ego slash success circle, spiral, if you will. Right. And he sort of blames her for ruining his art on some level and the other people that are yes. straight up just consumers. Right. But like he's the reason he hates his art. But he also says that literally in the next line. Yeah. He goes into it where he's like, I have gotten to a point where I am so famous that I have made it impossible for me to create art in a way that makes me happy. And and so everyone's yeah. going down with me. I'm the problem. The restaurant's the problem. You guys are the problem. Everyone's the problem. So we're all going down because he's a villain. The fact that he blames his customers for him losing the love of cooking is nuts to me. It's not nuts to me. The customers are the reason I stopped working at Sir Latav and I used to fucking love that job. <laughs> anyway, he, he basically goes into like, I've painted myself into a corner, essentially, and I'm owned by this angel investor. So I have to do the things that he wanted because he wanted to adjust menus and make substitutions or whatever. He's their podcast network. Yeah. When he yells at the windows behind them, no substitutions. Yep. I laughed. I was like, oh, this is very like five year old energy and I'm here for it. I and here's the thing. I know so many places that don't do substitutions and I get it. I understand where they're coming from. But there's a part of me that's like, hey, guys, <laughs> like you got to have some wiggle room for some people but anyway yeah uh so they he drowns him like they they have him hanging with angel wings and they drown him but this is where 
they have everyone go outside and they're going to give the men a 45 second start. I love that like immediately one of them just like is out of there. Oh, yeah. It's one of the three bankers. Yeah, it is. And in the midst of this, as they're kind of like shuffling people outside, she ends up talking to him again. And this is where he's like, you should be here. Like you belong in the kitchen because you're a service industry worker and I can tell. Now, he doesn't mean food service. No. He, he means escort. You know, she's a service. That's service industry. Yeah, she's a sex worker on some level. I don't know. You know, um, yeah. I think she's an escort because we find he, he asks her how she knows the man who recognized her. And it was she had to agree to everything he said while he jerked off. And I had to pretend to be his daughter which was very upsetting. But again, we know why his daughter doesn't talk to them anymore. Yeah, I hated that revelation, but... But this is where he says, do you enjoy providing services? And she says, I used to. And she says, do you enjoy providing service? And he says, I used to. I haven't desired and wanted to cook for someone in ages, and I do miss that feeling. It's that feeling of like, I I miss creating in a way that makes me happy that also makes other people happy. And I feel like the process of creating for profit has sucked the joy out of it for me. Yeah. Which we sort of talked about last week on the Deadstream episode. Like that absolutely happens. Yes. Especially when you like are so good at creating and Paige talked about this last week too, that other people want to pay you to create stuff for them right and then all you're doing is that yes and you don't get to create your own stuff anymore yeah 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 Mm -hmm. it it becomes very hard to love it when you're executing someone else's vision when you have a strong vision of like what you want to do yeah even even when it's popular or even when you had a part in it and it becomes popular if it's not the big thing you want to make it breeds resentment it absolutely does yeah no i i get that we cut to they're outside uh and sous chef Catherine keller introduces the next course and basically reveals that she was sexually harassed by the chef and twice she twice yeah uh and then he didn't speak to her for eight months so she stabs him in the dick with scissors it's the thigh is it the thigh it yeah, looks it, like the dick they shoot it so it does but when he pulls it out you see it's the it's thigh, thigh which yeah. is a call to the first taco plate yes because of the whole his mom was choked with a cord yes he, he stabbed his dad in the thigh with the scissors so like mm-hmm. it is a call to that and he willingly accepts the punishment he says he's sorry like yes i feel like this is a interesting way of him trying to make amends for what he i think clearly sees as something he shouldn't have done yeah it's just wild to me that they do this i think this was a wild inclusion however the food industry in general uh is a very male dominated industry and oh and full of sexual harassment man like full of sexual harassment it's bad like it's so bad to the point where like i i knew many women who went to culinary school and were wildly talented but quit because they couldn't work on the line they just were just tortured all the time and so they'd choose other things and it's very much an industry problem and and i was like maybe that's why they put this here this is the one that felt a little out of place to me especially because we find out that she's the one that pitched everyone dying it did make me realize that where the theme song for Guy Ferry's restaurant came from, come on down to Chicken Guy, we're going to stab you in the thigh. Come on down to Chicken Guy, where we'll stab you in the thigh. Yeah. I have not heard any sexual harassment claims about Guy Fieri. So from what I understand from the people who worked with him, he's very pleasant to work for. And I would put those thighs in my mouth. 
They are delicious. Uh, fancy Food World doesn't like him. They they don't think he is refined enough, even though he is a trained French chef. That's fine. I feel like I'm the guy Ferrari of podcasting where the fancy podcasts don't accept me as well. I don't think podcasts are really fancy in general. I mean, there are some, but by and large, it's a medium used by people who weren't pretty enough to be actors. <laughs> so, you know. That's a truth that hurt like a little bit. <laughs> I was including myself in it. No, I mean, I get it. But you were also including me and you had the thought before you said it. So you had a little pre-warning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought this was the optimistic episode. <laughs> no. It's a pretty nihilistic movie. It is a pretty nihilistic yeah. movie. So he gives the men a head start and then they just let all the women go back inside and actually serve them a course in between uh, while the men are out hiding. Uh, and it's crab foam. Which I was just like, meh. But then it made me think of that Crab Rangoon pizza. Fucking slapped, man. I didn't try it, but you guys did love it. So the sous chef sits down at the table with them and they're like, is there any way we could like not die? And she's like, no, no, I definitely, I, I, I pitched the death. So like, you know, barking up the wrong tree. I do love how the food critic who is like world renowned, like can make and break careers. Like that's established yeah, as a plot point. Yeah, she's a food critic for Savour. Yes. Yeah. I assume that that was a made up thing. Nope. That's a real place. All right. That's a real publication. It's going to serve as much of a focus in my life as it did when I thought it was made up. But mm-hmm. I think the, <laughs> it was really smart of her is all I'm trying to say to like dangle the carrot of, oh, you should have your own restaurant. I'd be happy to help you with that if you don't kill us. Like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I understood why she was dangling that carrot. And then I also really loved when that sous, that sous chef in a bonkers way, which I think is a great choice says, oh, the death thing was my idea. Like, she's, like, excited to tell them about it, but not, like, in a I want you to be scared of me way, but, like, in a I want you to be proud of me because that was my idea. Yeah, yeah. it was brilliant, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I also love that the food critic, and mind you, at this point, the food critic is the only real fancy food person among them because the wife of, of the guy, she doesn't remember what they ate. She just goes to eat places. Yeah. Onion Taylor Joy doesn't care. Uh, and John Leguizamo's assistant doesn't really care. But this is where the food critic is like, the umeboshi is amazing. And John Leguizamo's I assistant just goes, the emoji, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think she goes like, for me, it's the emoji. You're like, oh, yeah. That would 100% be me, though. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I'm the guy who still pronounces uh, Jif peanut butter incorrectly. Isn't it Jif? I thought it was Jif. I know. I say gif all the time. (laughs) I also pronounce things wrong sometimes. I don't think I've ever heard you mispronounce a single word. Definitely not oyster. Okay. Well, as long as we're (laughs) on the same page, I pronounce everything correctly. Where is Ralph Frowniflors? Rafe Fine. (laughs) Ralph Frowniflors. Like he didn't even say frowny face. Anyway, the, the guys all go out and hide. Nicholas Holt is literally right outside looking at them eat. And later when he comes back and he tries to steal the food they didn't eat because he just wants to taste oh, it. Oh, yeah. Because all the men have run off, right? Because that's where we left them. Right. And after the 45 seconds are up, we see the wait staff or not. The staff. Like, the, the sous chefs, the staff, right, go after them, right? And then it cuts to the women who have the conversation we just sort of talked about. And then it cuts to them sort of walking all the men back after they've been captured except the food critic publisher guy is the last guy and he hid in the chicken coop and so they're like here's a turn on a passard egg it's a treat for the last guest to be caught and i thought that was very funny too (laughs) that made me think they had like four different treats 
for the last person to be found. Depending on where you hid. Yes. So like if you were in the Ooh. smoke, the meat smoke shack, it would have been like a protein something sort there. of something or whatever. But because he was found in the chicken coop, it was chick. It was like egg based. It was an egg yeah. based. <laughs> I don't know. Again, parts of this movie work for me. Parts of it really don't. And this is one that really did. <laughs> it made me laugh earlier. They get, they bring all the guys back. Uh, but as they're doing it, we cut back to the women for just a moment. And this is where Onion Taylor Joy is like, well, my real name is Aaron and I'm from Massachusetts. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> where she's just like, I'm going to die. At least my real name. I love how she acknowledges that, that they won't care, though. She's like, none yeah. of y'all care. But well, and because this is also the scene where the the wife of the guy yeah, is the, like, how do you know? Do you know my husband? And she just goes. Yeah. And she's like, thought so. And then the wife of the husband like downs that glass of wine. Yep. Yeah. Well, and, and Onion Taylor Joy hands her her clutch. Yeah. Like she was like watching her part. Like they kind of befriend each other a little bit off screen, I think. Well, and I think at the end, she sort of is the one that says, no, go. You need to leave. Like, don't yeah. stay yeah. here for us. Please go. Yes. Now we cut to some of the other tables and we get people now being like, well, we're going to die. So I'm just going to admit whatever. Yeah. So like at John Leg was almost table, the assistant's like, I've been stealing money from you. And he's like, I know. I, I wrote know a negative you know. recommendation to Sony. <laughs> yeah. Which basically means the new job that she's going for her, he wrote, and she's like, I know you CC'd me on it, which is I love so that. wild. But also, Paige, she got that job because Sony was she like, did. oh, if John Leguizamo hates her, she must be great. If she survived <laughs> him, yeah. she can survive anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but this is where now that everyone's back and Nicholas Holt tried to steal the snacks that they got in between. This is where the chef calls him out and is like, tell me why you're here. And he's like, well, I, I wanted to come here. I wanted to experience your food. And he's like, what were you told ahead of time? And he's like, that'd be the greatest menu ever created. And he's like, and he's like, and that everyone would die. Jesus. And so he knew. And then he's like, and it's you had so a date. Wild. Yeah. A date, but not the young woman here tonight. And he's like, well, she broke up with me. So you paid Margot to come knowing she would die and you didn't tell her and she like jumps across the table at him and you're like yeah of course that's fucking terrible the only appropriate reaction yeah this is the yeah. only time someone does anything logical in the movie and she doesn't even go around the table she's in a no. dress and combat boots and she climbs onto the table to smack the fuck out of him which yeah totally deserves and this is where they go into it where he's like We've been talking for eight months. I gave you access to our world. Yeah. I swore you to secrecy. And he's like, well, you wanted me here because I know a lot about food. And he's like, I know you know a lot. You're a cook. Cooks belong in the kitchen. Why aren't you in the kitchen? Come with me and cook for us. Basically calling him out on his consumption of art and equating that consumption with the artistry itself. Yeah, that, it, it would be like buying a Picasso and then being like, I can paint like Picasso. Like those two yes. things are wildly different yeah. yeah i mean to a degree it's it's a little bit of him being like i bought a picasso ergo i have perfect taste in art but i've never created art right so he makes him cook in the kitchen now this kitchen has everything and he immediately flounders uh where he does uh leeks and shallots and butter and lamb which is very very basic and if you do it really well it could taste really good um, but he doesn't he doesn't even know how to chop the leeks or the shallots. I did love that Ralph frowny face while he was cutting the, mm -hmm. you know, leeks and shallots or whatever. He's like, oh, this is a new cutting technique that I have been ignorant to heretofore or whatever. It was very, yep. it was very funny. And, and, and he's like, oh, shallots and leeks in a butter, like sauteed in butter. New revolutions in cuisine. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, the most basic French shit ever. Um, he also 
And this is one that like, if you're not a super foodie, you might not have noticed why they included it. He keeps burning himself on the cookware because he doesn't know about the towels. Yeah. Uh, if you're in a fancy restaurant, you don't usually have oven mitts. It takes too much time. So you just use the towels that are attached on your apron to pull hot things in and out. And it does hurt because towels are not the same as oven mitts. They're not as thick, right? Like they're not as much yeah. protection. Yeah. You build up a tolerance in your hands to yeah. hot things. Ladies. Ladies. <laughs> but that's why we see Ralph Frowny Face talks about it and even carries the hot coal that ignites the, I don't know, s'more fire. Yes. At the very end, he holds it in his hand the whole time. Well, and, and he talks about it too, but we'll yeah. get to it when he, when he talks about it. But uh, he doesn't know what to do with the plating tweezers. He doesn't know any of it. And he jokes, use the Paco jet, which is really because it's like not even, but he's like, you have all this fancy shit. You have everything any cook who would want to create artistry could want. And yet you don't. Yeah. And as they tasted, he's like, wow, that's quite bad. And then they named the dish Tyler's bullshit. And if you read the recipe mm -hmm. at the end, it just says utter lack of cohesion. Yeah. Um, but he, he says, this is why mystery is drained from our art. Everyone thinks they can do what we do because they can buy these things or because they see you posting it or talking about it. Yeah. But it takes hard work and whatever. And you're kind of ignorant to that. And he whispers something in his ear, takes the chef jacket off and Nicholas Holt just says, yes, chef, and walks away. Now, we don't know what happens yet, although I assumed uh, that he was going to, uh, unfortunately, take his own life. Yeah. And I think, A, he knew he came that night with the knowledge that everyone would die. Right. Yeah. So like, mm -hmm. I think he was maybe prepared anyway. Yeah. I think he knew he probably would die. Yeah. Yeah. But B, I think, and we don't hear it, but I think whatever Ray finds whispers in his ear is something to the effect of you can never be the thing that you admire because you're not good enough. You don't try. You don't have the like whatever it was. Yeah. He then walks off and just immediately and he calls Onion Taylor Joy back. And as he's kind of bringing her back to the office, he says, I apologize to you all. This was not originally part of the menu. We strive for perfection, but it's not always possible. This concludes our demonstration. There's one more savory course. We'll have it to you in a minute. So he sends Onion Taylor Joy out to get a large barrel. Yeah. And he claims that Elsa, the head of the house, forgot to bring it. Now, I think this is him trying to see how far Margot will go to either try to escape or try to ingratiate herself with the kitchen by kind of pitting her against Elsa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Margot being Onion Taylor Joy. Right, right. Because we do find out from Elsa, he didn't tell her about the barrel. I, he didn't, she didn't forget this is something that he is doing to play with them. He's being manipulative. Yeah, he has manufactured this scenario for, I think, this reason. Because when they do go off to get the barrel or whatever, there's a knife on the barrel. Yes. Uh, that then, you know, they end up fighting over and, you know, what happens, happens. Right. And that that's a little bit later. But yeah, yeah, yeah that's why and I don't want to, like, spoil it, you know. Yeah. As she passes where the barrel is, she does see the Tyler... Uh, Nicholas Holt has hung himself. Yes. Unfortunately. F fortunately, we don't see it. We just sort of see like him hanging there as she walks by. So as she goes out to get the barrel, uh, we cut back into the room, the dining room where John Leguizamo is like, so why am I being punished? And his reason is ridiculous, but makes me laugh uh, because he's like, I saw Doc calling Dr. Sunshine and I didn't enjoy it. It was my one day off. Yeah. And I saw it alone in the cinema 
And he's like, well, I just acted it. I didn't make anything. And he's like, but you're an artist who lost his purpose. Yeah. Pitiful. Like you're an artist who no longer commits to their art. And I was just like, damn, he's going for everybody today. Yeah. He's not pulling any punches. No. And then we go to the assistant where he's like, do you have any student loans? No, I'm sorry. You're dying. And I was like, "Eh, I needed more reason for her. (laughs) I wanted her to be, I think it works a little bit better for me if she's his agent. And she's the one who's been putting him in all the trash movies yeah. or something like that. Yeah. The fact that she was his assistant yes. made me feel like she might have gone to Brown on like a scholarship. Yeah. In, in my mind, she belonged in the kitchen. Yes. Because she right. is an assistant. She's service. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she walks into uh, Onion Taylor Joy walks into the chef's house and there is a whole second restaurant, a test kitchen there. This is where she encounters Elsa, who's like, no one's allowed inside. Uh, but she has the knife from on top of the barrel and it is a fillet knife specifically. Now, it is a curved fillet knife typically used for fish, just whatever. Isn't that like determined by the size of the actual blade itself? It's the shape and the flexibility of the blade, okay. actually. Because I'd imagine you would want it to be a smaller, more flexible blade for fish. I don't know that that's true, but that would yes. make sense to me. Uh, There's also two different shapes for fillets for fish. The one she is holding is called a gojuko fillet, which is typically a Japanese fish fillet knife. Now, granted, you can get them in larger, um, like larger sizes for like beef and stuff because you can use it for beef. Yeah. um, But they're ultra flexible so that they can flex along the bones of the fish. Okay. Standard fillet knives are a little bit thinner and not quite as flexible, but they might be longer with a heftier handle. And those are more for getting in between bones. Okay. That makes sense. So uh, she and Elsa end up fighting and she ends up stabbing her in the neck. And as they're fighting, they knock over... A Paco jet. <laughs> they do. And you see that, right? Doesn't she actually hit her with it? Yes. Yeah. 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 And that's how she gets on top. Yeah. And then there is yeah. a struggle with the knife. Like, I don't necessarily think Onion Taylor Joy was trying to kill her. I think. No, I think she's just self defense. She was trying to disarm her. And, you know. Yeah. And Elsa is trying to kill Onion Taylor Joy. And in that, she just gets stabbed, you know? Yeah. yeah. Now, she walks through the silver door, which is basically the chef's room with all the articles and everything about him. And we see kind of a progression of like he had a wife and family he was happy when he was a younger just line cook he looks happy when he's cooking hamburgers at hamburger howie's he seems most happy yeah when he got employee of the month yeah and then as the pictures go he just gets more and more unhappy so she uses the shortwave radio in his office to we would assume call a boat although we will find out it's a trap well it's an employee right it's an employee yeah. Uh, we cut back to the restaurant where they're singing happy birthday to one of the bankers because they told them it was his birthday because it seemed funnier three hours ago, which I do think is a hilarious joke. It was very, very funny. Yeah, I love that part. And she comes back with the barrel. And this is where he gives the speech to her where he's like, I am a monster. I was a monster and a whore. I chased fame over the things that made me happy. Yeah. But tonight everything is pure. And he's like, but I have expended everything within me to get to a point that I now hate. So this is where he describes like, my hands have been burned so many times I can't be hurt. I can carry cast iron from the oven to a table. Uh, And this is where he says, freedom must be demanded by the oppressed, which is where he quotes Dr. King, which is not really applicable in this moment. No. Because they are victims and he is the villain. I mean, the quote in and of itself in context is true. Yes. The way it's used here is gross and shitty. Yes, yes. 
Uh, so the ship arrives and he's like, I see you found the radio. We got to set up the dining room. So they pretend like everything's okay for a guy that they think is the Coast Guard to show up. But that guy, they John Leguizamo pretends to sign something for him and gives him a note that says, help me. They all ask for help. He pulls out a gun, but then reveals that it is just a lighter and he is an employee. No one is coming to help them. Yep. And why did that happen? What do the bad people in this movie get for having done this charade, to say it the way they would? I th- I think this is more for the audience to prove that they can't get away. Okay. There is no audience. What? Oh, you us, mean us audience. watching the movie? No, yeah, okay, that's fine. But like, why would Ralph Frowny Face do this? If we think of him like Willy Wonka, which we should, because Willy Wonka might be a villain, Uh, but... I think if, every other child, except for the one with the golden ticket at the end, he was a villain too. Her burger is a golden ticket. That's true. <laughs> if we think of this as like Willy Wonka, where he plants the fizzy lifting drinks and the everlasting gobstoppers, yeah. I think it's that. I think it's that sort of manipulative, crazy artist person that he always intended somebody to try and get to the radio. That's why it's there. That's what I think too. I think he. W- yeah. I think he expected them to fight more. I think so too. Yeah. And and which is why he kind of admonishes them for that. But again, they're victims. He's a villain. Anyway. Yeah, that, that actually does make sense. So, okay. Because I think I think yeah. the staff in black is outside the kitchen. Yes. Like outside the restaurant waiting for them to try to break out or escape and stuff. Oh, like the security staff. And we do see yeah. some inside yes. the kitchen, like inside the dining room area. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but this is where he he's going to do the final course plating and she stands and claps. And she says, I don't like your food. I'd like to send it back. And then says, you've taken the joy out of eating. It's you. There's no love in your food. I'm starving. And he's like, well, what do you want? And she says, a cheeseburger, a real one, not a fancy one. And then they lovingly shoot the assembly (laughs) of a cheeseburger that made me want in and out so bad. It does look so good. But I don't think someone who has been denying all sort of personal accountability for the way his life turned out, so much so that he's going to kill a room full of people, would respond well to someone standing up clapping, sort of mocking him, and then Mm -hmm. saying... Hey, don't you share some responsibility with the actions that led to create your life? I don't think he would be like, you know what? I'm going to make you a burger. I think it's only because it's her. Yeah. I think he would have killed whoever anybody else. I think he had like a a weird fascination with her. I mean, I also have a weird fascination with her, so I get it. I just want her and Jarrett Leto to have a child because then their eyes would be where they should be. The closest possible. Uh, (laughs) Well, no, because hers are really wide. Her pretty wide. Yeah. Is it really close? That's so funny. But you know what's crazy about that? They're both like super attractive people. Like that does sure. not bother me about how they look. It's just something I've noticed while looking at them. I've never been a big Jared Leto guy. I don't like him as an actor. I just get that he's an attractive dude or yeah, was for back sure. in like Fight Club days. I had never noticed how close his eyes were until you said it and I've never been able to unsee it. Uh, yeah, when after you pointed out that uh, it, it's got to be over a year now. I can't look at pictures of him in evermore. None, neither of you were on the Urban Legend episode, but that's where mm-hmm. I first saw it and brought it up. Ah. You brought it up again with us too. I Well, no, I have. I have on the podcast more recently, yeah. But I, I've been talking about this with like my friends for years. Like I bet Paige brings up like cults and stuff at parties and they're like, we get it, Paige. My friends are like, yeah, we know Jared's eyes are a little bit too close. Stop singing us 
30 Seconds to Mars parodies about it. Oh, oh my oh, God. 30 Seconds to Mars. <laughs> I get asked about cults at parties. I'm sure you do. Anyway, so he finishes making it for her and she's like, I think my eyes are bigger than my stomach. Can I get the rest to go? And he says, one moment, please. And packs it up for her to go. And this is where, and she does kind of have a moment of like, oh, but maybe not just me. Like, you know, like, can we all go? Yeah. She takes a bite and then was like, I'll take the rest to go. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, ooh, power play. She also, mm-hmm. when he brings it back and says, here's your burger and fries to go or whatever, she does pay him $10, which was the yes. cost of what he said it would cost her, right? Nine ninety five. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when she pays... That's when he allows her to leave. Yeah. Which to me is, I thought, great. Because earlier in the movie, the bankers, one of the bankers, was saying, just tell us the number it takes to let us walk out of this room, more or less. I may be paraphrasing that, but it's more or less that. Yeah. And for her, it was $10. For them, he's never letting them out. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. (laughs) But because just like Clerks, she wasn't even supposed to be here today. She's not even supposed to be there today. He's going to let her go. Also, he gave her a gift bag. He gave them all gift bags, which is the funniest part to me. Yeah. Oh, did they? I was like, what did is they the all gift? give them? Because it's a copy of the menu, right? And then it's what else is in there? The it's menu. like granola, a copy of the menu, yes. literature about the grains they have on the island. Yes. It was shit like that. Stuff that you would get like from like a winery you went to visit yes. as a gift yeah, bag. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it made sense that they have like a fucking closet full of gift bags and they're burning the place down tonight. Everybody gets a fucking gift bag. You know what I'm saying? Well, but but here's the thing. It's got the menu for that night that they're dying. So like they yeah. had to custom make some of the pieces of those gift bags. That's true. And then, yeah. And the fact that they hand them out and then burn it down just made me laugh so hard and that they make them all pay their bill before they burn it down. But dude, when they pay their bill and all the bankers like split it, the critic and the, I guess the magazine. I love that they all haggle over the bill the way they would if they weren't going to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's what I was trying to get at. Like every one of them is like doing a version of what people do when the bill comes and you've been sharing a meal with a friend or whatever, you know, like, yes. Anyway, I thought that that was very funny that they include that. It was was very, very very funny. And then he basically was like, here's dessert and it's my masterpiece because this has been the ruin of my art and my life. And he talks down to s'mores where he's like, it is the lowest common denominator dessert, but it's also fucking delicious. Yeah, I think I think he brings it back at the end because like the whole time he's talking about s'mores and they're like setting up like what is the yes. pyre that they will then be burned right. on, right? Uh, because he uses some sort of flammable chocolate sauce or whatever. Brandy. Uh, but while he's sort of explaining it, he's like talking shit about s'mores and I'm like, Dude, s'mores are delicious. But at, like at the end, he does like, but when you add a little heat, yep. shit gets real good or whatever he says. Yes. And then that's when he burns them all. <laughs> now, here, here's the thing that I think is really interesting because we live in a post-midsummer world and <laughs> yes. they put like collars of marshmallows on them and chocolate crowns, much like her May Queen outfit. It kind of looks like it, just it made does. of marshmallows. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a coronation outfit. Like, they get yes. chocolate crowns and those really puffy, like... Yeah, the the ermine or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't know what they are, but they're, they're... I mean, they are marshmallows. It's not, you know, yes. it's not like what you would be wearing at a coronation, but... I wish they would have ate some of it before they died. Mikey, I was going to ask, while he, like, throws the coal down on your way out, are you, like, going down and biting one of those marshmallows? Absolutely. They're not tied up, are they? No, which is insane to me. They just sit there and, like, oh, okay, I guess we're all going to burn to death now. This sounds great. I deserve this. I would have taken my chocolate hat out 
hat and ate it. <laughs> I'd eat my hat if you'd set this place on fire. One last thing of defiance. Anyway, we cut out to the dock where Onion Taylor Joy has ran out to a boat that she can't get started and there's no one there manning the boat. And she sits down and eats the cheeseburger as the restaurant burns behind her. And then she wipes her mouth with the menu. Oh, with the menu. <laughs> yes. Much like a Carl's Jr. commercial. And that's, that's the, the movie. movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what did you guys think about The Menu? I liked it. I understand why you don't. And part of my love for it is my foodie love. Uh, but I enjoyed this very much. Which we got to dig into, which was kind of fun. I learned a lot this episode. I'm not even saying that like sarcastically. <laughs> you would be murdered, I think, in that restaurant. I mean, we all would have been. Not me. I've been like, give me my cheeseburger. Well, for sure. But like, he would have killed you though, Mikey, because you're not Onion Taylor Joy. And you made him make a cake for your co-host Todd that wasn't his birthday. Where, you yeah. know, that's where I would be killed. I know, I know exactly what you would that's do. That's my yeah. favorite line in the whole movie. This was really funny three hours ago. Yeah. I definitely put this in the same place I put Midsummer uh, of why I don't enjoy it as much, why I know people enjoy it. It's also made very well and stylistically. I do think uh, Roof uh, Flones does a great job in this Roof film. Roof Flones, he said <laughs> Roof this time. Flones. Yeah. I love that you've never said his name the same way twice, but no one is confused about who you're talking about. It's called comedy, guys, and he's crushing it. Press one if you agree. <laughs> I mean, they should press one. I think it's very funny. But I, but I agree, Mikey. I think all the actors do an amazing job. Yeah. Cinematography is awesome in this movie. Like, it's well made. I just don't care for it. Because I don't, I agree. there's nothing for me to nerd out like there is for Paige. And I don't really like movies where the causality is hard for me to understand. It really does feel like a writer giving themselves a hand job for two hours. That's what it feels like to me watching this movie. I, I don't feel that. I feel like it was intentional. I know it was intentional. I've never given myself a hand job unintentionally. I But I think it is specific to the characters. I don't think it was done for no reason. I think it was done to highlight these specific types of people. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I just think it bothers me and it doesn't bother you. We're allowed to have different opinions. <laughs> I definitely don't think I'm right. <laughs> but Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? I do. They're they're very food heavy fun facts, but But hit us with your fun facts. A moosh fun, fun facts. facts. Oh, moosh boosh fun facts is the better one. Damn it. Okay. So uh the screenwriter Will Tracy came up with the idea for the story while at a tasting menu for a fancy restaurant that they did have to take a boat to. Holy shit, that makes so much sense! And he realized once they were there, they were trapped on the island till the meal was done. Yeah. So there's actually a lot of references to that specific restaurant, Noma in Copenhagen, uh, starting from, uh, you know, the location, the idea, the concept, everything. But it's him basically being like trapped at a dinner he doesn't want to be at and then thinking through a, all the people around him, B, the chefs with him. So it really is kind of told from an outsider's perspective about all the pretentiousness of everyone in the ecosystem of that world. I do think that that makes a lot of sense that the person who like wrote this movie is of the social class that would be attending a function like that because it does feel like a conversation about class from someone who was very privileged's perspective. Well, the other thing to consider, not everyone who goes to those tastings is of that class. I've been to tastings like that, and I'm not crazy rich. No, no, I'm not saying crazy rich, but definitely like upper middle. Like it's just from that perspective is what it feels like to me. 
for for me it feels like someone who is dragged there by someone else and and is viewing all of these people i could totally see that too because they'd be like this is fucking terrible i'm gonna write a movie about all these motherfucking yep. people and they're gonna be yep. terrible every one of y'all yep. is gonna be terrible in my movie <laughs> um, and and this is case in point uh so i referenced uh going cheese tasting earlier in this episode uh, and I, I brought Jake with me because we both love cheese. I would taste uh, the fuck out of some cheese. Sorry, that sounds amazing, Paige. cheese. It is amazing. And I had bought us tickets forever ago, and it was one of those things where I was like, I want to go to this. I'm buying us tickets. Whatever. It's weird that they made you age the tickets as long as they aged the cheese. The cheese. <laughs> uh, and it was for uh, an, a, an Instagram influencer called Cheese Sex Death, and she has Cheese Church. And she tours with it. It's great. Oh, take me to church like Halsey if you got a cheesy church. Yeah. So I brought Jake with me and uh, we sat through the whole cheese thing. And it was in Santa Monica, a much richer part of the city than we live in. And by the end of it, Jake was like, we've got to go because I got to get away from these pretentious rich people. And I had to point <laughs> out we are at the same event as those like, hey, I, I get that you think we're not these people. We're also here. So like. There is the element of like being at something like that, still recognizing the craziness around you, but also being there <laughs> that I think is kind of, for me, makes it kind of funny from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see that. I, th so for me, like thinking about it as from an outsider, it's kind of fun to me too. Yeah, no, I could see that. Yeah. When you said that, I was like, that also makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> the entire kitchen staff or team or the, the actors playing the kitchen staff were actually trained to create dishes broken down station by station. Because when you work in a professional kitchen, no, no one person's creating the whole thing. Oh yeah. It's like an assembly line from what I understand. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so they're actually trained so that they're doing the correct things they should be doing for that dish if it were real and not a movie. And they were all taught to hold knives correctly, hold plating tweezers correctly, the whole thing. That's cool. So they like they like went to chef school then. They have to have. They, they did with uh, French chef Dominique Crenn, who's the only female chef in the United States to attain three Michelin stars for her restaurant, Atelier Crenn in San Francisco. Uh, now, most of the cast and crew were allowed to occasionally taste things between takes, uh, but some of the food is props, so it's not yeah. edible. So they would have to tell them what's edible and what's not. That um, makes sense. For the things that were edible, Dominique did most of the plating herself, which is kind of cool. That um, is very cool. Because yeah. it's like real. So John Leguizamo, we talked about the Steven Seagal thing. Yeah. It's a personal vendetta because... He worked with him on executive decision in 1996 and called him a horrible human. <laughs> well, John Leguizamo is not the only person to call Steven Siegel that. Of course not. Uh, and there's multiple references to him playing a cook in one of his movies. That's a nod to Under Siege from 1992, where Seagal also played a cook that had also worked for the CIA. That movie is so bonkers. The sommelier's accent starts as French and then becomes more American with every serving. Yeah. <laughs> Intentionally, which I found pretty fun. The s'mores course is actually inspired by a three Michelin star restaurant, uh, Alania. Their final dessert course requires them to paint chocolate and candy directly onto the, ta the table as a mural. So that's why they do the painting on the floor and pull up from it. Why do the people that make tires rate restaurants? Because of travel guides. Yes. Yeah, that is. It is the same people. That's it wild. was a travel guide. Because when they, when the cars first came out, they wrote guides about every city that you could visit, what to eat there while you're visiting. And they just continued doing that from like the 20s, I'm assuming. They, they on? kind of broke off into like two different arms 
where it retains the name, but it's kind of like a different governing body than that. They're oh, like okay. loosely connected now. But originally, yes, it was a travel guide. But Michelin stars are incredibly hard to get your your average restaurant. Like you could get a total of five total. Damn. Five star Michelin five. restaurants okay. are like that's the ones where it's like we only serve six people a night like that, like that level um, your three star are going to be like your kind of fancy Gordon Ramsay ish stuff, but even a step above that. So yeah. it's a pretty fancy restaurant for them to be painting confections everywhere. That's wild. I didn't I had no idea. Okay. Yeah. This movie has been in pre-production since prior to 2019. And originally Emma Stone was attached to play Onion Taylor Joy's role. She would have been great. I, I think Onion Taylor Joy does great too, but like Emma Stone's great. Yeah. Uh, and it would have had Alexander Payne directing. Um, but after pandemic, things shifted. Onion Taylor Joy replaced Emma Stone and Mark Millad replaced Payne. So in 2022, uh, November, so just this past November, uh, there was a New York Times article on the closing of the Willows Inn on Lumi Island in Washington State, which is one of the restaurants that this movie is based on. Uh, Julia Moskin reported that the restaurant, uh, which had numerous allegations of sexual harassment and lawsuits for wage theft, were among the inspirations for the restaurant depicted in this movie. The article also named a couple other restaurants as well, Noma in Copenhagen, uh, Blue Hill at Stone Barns, north of New York City, Mugarets in Basque Country, and Willows in the Pacific Northwest. I've actually been to Willows. Uh, one time, Sir Latab took us there, and they would always bring the like guys who owned Willows to come talk at our uh, convention and stuff. That's kind of cool. Uh, and uh, Chef Francis Malman's private island off the coast of Patagonia. All of these restaurants are adored by critics and visited by very, very wealthy people most of the time. Sure. Or people are invited there to review them. But this is very much the idea of chefs as storytellers about a time and a place who are not merely feeding people, but air quotes, weaving a tale of senses, gestures, and emotions. So it is based on a lot of actual restaurants. If you look at the guest books in the movie, they end in 2019. And he doesn't have anything booked for the next three years. It's suspected that he didn't have any, you know, he didn't feed anyone during pandemic and then would just invite guests himself afterwards, which makes sense for why everyone there is like, well, you texted me to come here. Yeah. Most of this was shot in Georgia on Jekyll Island. Okay. Oh, I've been there. Yes. From the very beginning, Margot shows that she has a true appreciation for food that the wealthier clients have lost in the spectacle because she enjoys just a simple oyster instead of oysters with all the foam in the show. And it shows that her palate is not the issue, but the loveless over-the-top food is. So that's why when she asks for a burger, he basically, it's like game recognize game. He calls Richard a donkey, which is a nod to Gordon Ramsay's favorite insult. Yeah. He almost called him an idiot sandwich, but they decided to go with donkey. <laughs> Didn't idiot he sandwich say that to is one somebody? of my favorites. Yeah, he put a piece of bread on either side of their head and was like, what are you? An idiot sandwich. It's great. That's amazing. Um, Dominique Kren, the chef, was so impressed with Hong Chao's dedication and technique, who uh, she plays the front of the house, Elsa, uh, that she offered her a job in one of her restaurants. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Which can sound like an insult unless you know how much people in high-end restaurants get paid. I worked with a guy who uh, was one of Nancy Silverton's waiters. Which, once you get to be a, a, rest a restaurantier, a, a restaurateur, 
uh, and you open multiple restaurants, sometimes you take your best waiters with you. Yeah. And that guy was independently wealthy as a waiter. Yeah. Because Nancy Silverton and um, uh, Mario Batali would take him restaurant to restaurant. And he had just gotten so old that he was like, I can't wait tables like I used to because it's grueling. Yeah. That he worked at Sur La Table for fun. <laughs> like that's that was his life. But so, yes, it, to be offered a job in a very high end restaurant like that, it it pays bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the original script had a scene where the male diners had to eat out of dog bowls naked from the waist down. Uh, but it was discarded because it was too similar to a scene from Sallow or the 100 days, 120 days of Sodom, which is a super gross art film. Uh, it's one of those ones on the iceberg. Anyway, uh. the director, uh, Mark Millad, has admitted in interviews that being British, one of his favorite foods is just simple fish and chips as opposed to any of the fancy food featured in the film. And those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's talk a little bit about box office. What do you think the production budget was for The Menu? And it came out in 2022, so like super recently. Um, I'm going to say like $25 million. Okay. Mikey, what do you think? I know that Laugh Lost is an expensive actor, so... Laugh, Laugh Lost. Lost. I do think $17 million. Okay, it's actually a little bit more than even Paige's guess at thirty million. Paige, I think you said wow. twenty five, right? So you were definitely. Closest. I did say twenty five. Yeah. So okay, the movie came out on November eighteenth, twenty twenty two. It premiered at number two that week. It was beat by Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, and that was in its second week. Like that movie was a blockbuster smash hit, right? So like, of course. But Menu was second that week, and it was in its first week. Uh, the number three movie was The Chosen Season 3, Episodes 1 and 2. Number four was Black Adam, and number five was Ticket to Paradise. What do you think the menu brought in in its opening weekend? This ended up being kind of a sleeper hit, where I don't know that it did as much on its opening weekend, but I know it, it got pretty popular as it went. I'm going to say opening weekend, it made 10. Okay, I'm going to say more. I'm going to say 15. All right, Paige, you're closer, but you're both a little bit over it's just over $9 million. It's literally $9,004,957. Barely over $9 million. Now, this movie was in the theaters for 11 weeks, but Paige, to your point, its first week it was number two, its second week it was number five, but then for its third and fourth weeks, it was number four in the theaters. So I think a lot of people saw it initially, or a good number of people saw it initially. Mm -hmm. It started to die off, but those people who saw it initially convince their friends to go see it. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's why it did better in the uh, the fourth and third weeks. But, you know, as all movies do, it slowly slid off the charts. But it was in theaters for 11 weeks total. What do you think it made in those 11 weeks? I'm going to say 57. Okay. I'm going to say 38.5. Oh, you're looking it up. No. Oh, really? What? It made $38.5 million. No, it what? did not. Yeah. I thought you would look it up. Like, I, I no. swear to God, I thought no. you would look it up because it oh. is exactly 38. I was like reading along as you were saying it. <laughs> anyway, so that's what it made in its domestic box office. It also made an additional 34.5 million internationally. So that puts it at a worldwide box office total at $73 million. So it definitely made money. It did pretty well. In theaters. Nice. I mean, obviously, there's not going to be a sequel, but everyone in this movie will definitely work again. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. 
But that is your box office. So, Mikey, do you want to hit him with that scary scale? Scary scale is a scale of 1 to 10 of how scary we found this film when we watched it today. One example is Ghostbusters. Ten example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This film is not scary, so I believe I know what's about to happen here. Paige. One, but on the hungry scale, six. Okay, so same. Because Paige, when you went to the bathroom, Mikey and I were like, I'm so hungry watching it. Like, yes. having just watched this movie and talked about it, like, I just want to eat another burger. Like, yeah. I, I want to get, there's an in and out down the street from our new house. And I, I'm like, I know I'll sit in line for like 20 minutes and I don't care. I, like, I need a burger in my face. Worth it. Mikey, what did yes. you give it? A definite one. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. Ghostbusters is scarier than this. Like, that's how not scary uh, this is. 100% scarier than this. That library scene? library scene. scene. Woo, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing scary about this movie. Anyway, that's our scary scale. Yeah, so this week, the listeners made us watch The Menu. What are you guys making us watch next week as we start a new theme, right? So, this next month is sequel month. Because nice. you know we love a good sequel month, and it's been like six months since we did it last time. And so we are kicking things off with something we've been itching to do for a while, and that is Phantasm 2. Heck yeah, dude. Phantasm, the OG, is insane, and I can't wait to see how this Dune fanfic continues. People talked up the sequels. People talked up the sequels, but also when we watched the first one, everyone's like, no, it's supposed to be a dreamlike state, so it's supposed to not make sense. And I'm like, it's nice that you think that. Yeah, that's very <laughs> kind. It, that's very kind of you because it's definitely that the movie is bonkers, just made weird, yeah. but I cannot wait to see the next one. <laughs> These either. are my favorite because there's not many bonkers franchises I have not dug into and yes. I've, not, I've purposely avoided all phantasm stuff i am excited so next one phantasm 2 yeah so your homework for next week is to enjoy the bonkersness that is phantasm 2 and then check back for that episode mikey do you have a review for us to read mm, i'm getting one right now well while you're looking one up let me tell them how they can have their review right on the podcast and that's to leave us a five-star text review and we'll have mikey read it for you so mikey whose review are you going to read this week i'm going to read over this podcast review well, what does over this podcast have to say? Fun. Just fun? Is the title. Title of the uh, review. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. All right. But the review is pretty short. I have a good time with this podcast. Great. The Scream 4 review was a mess, LOL. But I enjoy how they break down movies. <laughs> Five stars. I like how it was a mess, but they were, they were into it. Into <laughs> yeah. it. I like that. Me too. Well, thank you very much for that awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your review, leave us a five-star review. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well page is at page wesley on twitter or rampage wesley everywhere else including tiktok mikey is at m randolph 24 and i am at todd j awesome if you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm -hmm, than the regular mm -hmm. feed drop we do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that so guys check out yeah. the patreon and help support the show if if you want to financially support me but not Todd, just look me up 
up on Venmo. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable. That's fine. But if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin. We also link it like once a week. So just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. Literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. And if you haven't noticed, since October 1st, we have been running the new Horror Virgin blog. And when I say we, I really mean Katie from the Facebook group. She's been running everything. She's like the managing editor of the Horror Virgin blog. So if you haven't been to our Horror Virgin blog, go check it out. It's at horrorvirgin.com slash blog. You'll see it. It's awesome. There's a lot of great articles. I mean, at the end of October, we have 31 awesome articles up, but check out our awesome Horror Virgin blog up now. This episode is brought to you by Tia, and Tia's teenager has just been like driving her crazy. So how is Tia's teenager driving her crazy this week? She keeps turning everything into foams. Not everyone wants to eat a foam. Stop trying to make phones happen, Tia's teenager. This episode also brought to you by Jonathan, and Jonathan wants me to make you guys watch some uh, videos, so I'm going to do that right now. Can you guys see my screen? Yeah. This is a video of Jack Black doing the time warp. Madness. Which I'm takes its super into. Same. Oh my God, I love it. I love how Oh my he's God, he's doing dressed. all the characters. Yeah, he's dressed like <laughs> all of the characters. He's even got like the half bald cap. Oh, fuck. This is great. God. God, I want a recording of this. I know. I love how Jack Black is just on board to like be the joke and like take a very earnest like attempt at being just hyper silly. I'm into it. And you know what? Controversial opinion. He's got a great fucking voice. He does. I love Jack Black's, vo Jack Black's voice. KG is there. <gasps> this is way better than the Imagine bullshit they did. I know, John right? Waters and Elizabeth. What? what? Okay. And there's a velvet thrust. Oh, that's where I got the dance move. Oh, that was Mike in the dance floor right there, yeah. Let's do the time warp again. They got a lot of famous people. That's, oh my God, that's Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Eric Andre. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for that awesome video. We really appreciate it. And the support. We appreciate the support as well. We now return you to another episode of The, the Patreonicals. Welcome back. We're headed to the center of the galaxy, baby. Center to find of the that galaxy. Crystal. Get that crystal. Yeah. We're open on the ship, and they've got the death mun. It's caught up to them. Oh, no. They've been caught. Yeah. In a tractor beam. Yes. A John Deere tractor beam. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so they tape Isaac and JJ to advance the serial killer to the jet ski. And then Mr. Bo Easy, the Florida man, he rides the jet ski in the tractor beam and gets them over there. Nice. All the serial killers. And then uh, Dreskel and... Um, Jennifer with a PH, who's making making a force around the ship to, to, to block the laser fire. Uh, but Dreskel and, and uh, Captain Bruder are like, 
We didn't even tape the really strong fighters to the jet ski to send over there. We just sent a Florida guy who drives the jet ski with like just two of our killers, not anyone with special powers. And they're like, yeah, that's kind of weird. So anyway, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Karun and Natasha uh, are like, we've got to kill them. Load up. <laughs> we got to find Mr. Rage Bomb. Mr. Rage Bomb, you need to start raging. We got to make bombing. you so mad. Yeah, raging and bombing. Well, raging first, then bombing next week. Well, yeah. So we're like, we got to make you so mad to rage more. And so they start pinching him a lot. They're like poking the bear. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what that means? And they're, and they're making fun of his favorite poet because he likes poetry. Who doesn't? So they're making fun of him. He's like, Walt Whitman's shitty or whatever. So there you go. <laughs> oh, I looked at dude w- passing a wood. <laughs> that's that's not Rob. That's not Walt Whitman. No, I, I know it's Frost, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Robert Frost. Yeah, I was just quoting a poem that you would like make fun of in a mocky way. Walt Whitman is like, I sat in a field and looked at the grass and wrote about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a moody alcoholic, and I'm gonna write about morbid things. Thanks, Hemingway. Isn't he the one who writes about the lake house? I no, d- that was Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah. I do like that. I actually do like poetry, but I do like the snarky readings of famous poems. That to me is funny. <laughs> Allie the mermaid comes over and slaps Mr. Rage on the face with her tail. Yeah, she's like, get rage. Jeremy with his laser eyes and robotic toe was like, hey, I think my toe can make me fly over to that ship. And his toe is an I'm engine. I'm sorry. What? He his, was like, t- <laughs> dude, if I heard him say that, I would immediately be like, domo are robato. Yeah. What are you saying? Hang on. Well, he It's too late. He's flown off to the death month. He has like an Iron Man toe. Yes. That's exactly what he has. Lauren, the cave person, comes over and bites his toe in like a non-sexy way, like a really mean way. Mr. Ragebaum, I mean. Of course. And then Garotica, the heavy metal bitch, starts playing, which I've gotten permission to say now from her. Thank you. And then... Um, <laughs> we She did reach out and let us know it was fine to call her that. I, so. I got very nervous. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she starts playing her guitar in his ear, and it's like not good. It's like stairway to heaven. And uh, he gets he's getting so mad. Suddenly the AI robot is like, hey, we're fighting them, but we've got to throw them off the course or, or destroy them or we're not going to do good. And then Russian, Andrew, the, the lost Russian astronaut, opens a channel to them like a, like a communication channel and uh him and, and so anthony's like thanks andrew but you don't get to talk this episode so An- anthony's like <laughs> libby the new moon queen what is what the fuck up why you hate us and what? then uh <laughs> what the fuck up why you hate us why'd you mess me over <laughs> yeah hey guys listen galactic standard is not his first language okay like ease up okay I got you. And he's like, I just want to go back to the time stuff, man. And, and then she's like, nah, bro. We're past that time. Past <laughs> yeah. that time. Aaron, the moon general, was like, you're going to die. You will and- always win me over, over with Huey Lewis in the news references page. Yeah. Even though print media is dead, my love for Huey Lewis in the news is alive. It remains unchanged, <laughs> Paige. Mm-hmm. Alex, the magician, prepares for battle. You know, in like a magician gear up montage he's like putting aces up his sleeves uh-huh, uh-huh. he's like putting one huge handkerchief in a pocket it's that kind of stuff slowly sliding out of frame like Paige is doing for some reason she's gone now which will never come back and <laughs> west the handsome dude who's naked and oiled up <laughs> now Paige is back Paige literally just popped back <laughs> in his shoulders glistening butter dripping off of them Butter. Butter-like substance, like the movies. And, um, or for sipping. <laughs> he gets his hopes up that maybe he'll be rescued. And just as we do it, 
a jet ski slams inside the Death Mun star, and those people enter it. And that's the end of the episode. That's a cliffhanger. Oh, wow. So they actually do gain egress into the Mun star. Gain oh, egress. Yeah. If there's one thing I know about a fi- fi- Florida man, it's all about gaining insertion. egress. <laughs> oh, He's all about exotic pets. No, wait, that's egrets. Egrets. <laughs> 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 well, I guess we'll have to wait till next week to find out what happens on another thrilling episode of The, the Patreonicals. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it oogie spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye. This movie looks delicious, nerds. It did look delicious.